Hello and welcome to Batarang, Story Screen's Batman podcast. The podcast where we, you guessed it, we talk about Batman. We talk about Batman, we talk about all the Batmans. We talk about Batman movies in a quasi-chronological order. We talk about Batman the cartoons uh, in one episode. We talk about the Batman video games in that same episode. And right now, we're talking about probably the most important Batman movie in the series of Batman movies that have existed in our human timeline. And today we're going to talk about The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight is directed by Christopher Nolan. It is in the Nolan trilogy of Batman movies, sandwiched between Batman Begins and The Dark Knight Rises. This is the Batman movie that gave us teen heartthrob, actual teen heartthrob, Heath Ledger. Well, I guess he's not a teen. And I don't think it gave... He gave us the Joker, right? He invented that character. Oh, I thought you were saying this movie gave, gave us, us Teen Heartthrob. No, that's not, that's not what this if movie If anything, did. this movie took away mm-hmm. Teen Heartthrob. Teen Heartthrob, Heartthrob Heath Ledger. In a kind of a jack way. Yeah. The voices you're hearing are my delightful cast of characters. The clown prince of crime, Jack Holojetsky. The jokester. That's that's good. It was a bit dry in here, so I decided to make some jokes. Yes, and Jack, we all know you have the riest wit, so it's it's appropriate that you are the jokester. Me? And I'm also joined by Tommy Lee Jones Two-Face, Mike Burge. Hi. That's, see, that's really good. Perfect. And I'm also joined by... My voice actually sounds like this, actually. So that's, how you... that's the whole point of the introducing, so... People that don't know our voices, they understand who's talking. So that is Mike Burge, in case you didn't pick it up. This before. is me. Hi. Uh, and we're also joined by... Did you guys have anything else to add before I introduce the last uh, guest I of just, the... I just want to say stress on the clown prince of chaos. Clown... Clown prince the, the of clown chaos. Prince of, the clown prince of chairs? Chaos. Chaos. Yeah, chairs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any, anything from you, Mike, you wanted to say before I introduce the... Burma. Burma. And today we're actually joined by... By Michael fucking Kane. He's oh here to be Hello, it's so glad to be oh, here. No, don't do that. Oh, no. No, never no, 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 can you do something for me real quick before we continue on? Uh, What's that, Mike? Can you say Burma in that amazing Michael Caine impression of yours? That you were doing before? Burma. Yeah, it's, it's pretty really good. good. It's pretty yeah, good. That's really good. Great. Thank you, boys, for <laughs> coming here to, to talk Dark Knight with me. Happy to be here. Um, Happy I mean, to be just, here. Just to be quite you, honest you... with everybody, this is our second take. <laughs> We uh we had some technical difficulties, so we're gonna try and recapture the magic, which we're already doing a really great job. Boy, the first one was so good, though. Oh man, oh, man. you would have laughed. Really, you would have laughed us. like you've never it's laughed for us. for us and nobody That's else. Yeah. Fucking the audience, they, they don't it. need. They, the reason we got rid of it is too good. Can we get to the point though? Like, let's get through this. Real we quick, get to the I brass feel like Everything else is fake. It's true. I feel like all of this is Where, fake. So <laughs> what we did in the last part, which I, I do want to get through because I think it's important in conversation, yep. and I didn't get to say my piece. Where was everybody? Well, we'll get to hear yours for the first. What time. What is everyone's first interaction with the Dark Knight when it released? Because it is a when the movie came out, following the controversy of Heath Ledger's death, the viral marketing that took place, the casting controversy that took place in the beginning, the inception of this newest movie. Hey, hey. Bah, 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 bah. that's Terminator. But uh, bah, 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 bah. 
what's everyone Robbie's kind still of, excited he just saw Terminator 2 so. like yesterday we're recording this one early we're just mad it's a non-linear <laughs> timeline <laughs> I got an itch in the back of my throat it's fun just scratching it um, so I want to talk about like where we all were when we saw this movie and our interactions with first seeing this movie and I want to hear Jeremy's take because in the first take of this episode he had a really good response to it heartwarming but, but also Heart- he's a you're the youngest person at this table and I think this movie probably is the most influential on you. In fact, I know it. Yeah, absolutely. So when I first saw this movie for the first time, it was the first weekend. And um, both Jack and I saw it at the uh, on the same day. And um, we were visiting our family in New Hampshire. And we uh, the nearest theater was a Regal Theater. And this mm-hmm. was the first time I ever really, like... Set foot in a Regal Theater because... You guys had it to the Stinta? Yeah, and okay. then back then, that theater was really fucking grimy. And that was just, like, all we were, like, used to. That's what we were accustomed to. Yeah. So, going into this really nice Regal Theater for the first time was was already, like, got me, like, really excited. Because yeah. it made me think, oh, this is something really special. Mm-hmm. And, you know, also the viral marketing and, you know, the passing of Heath the, Ledger. The hype like, of the movie was... Just the incredible yeah. trailers right. and everything that came out before it just really got, got me excited. Mm-hmm. And I was I was only 13 years old yeah. when this movie came out. And I feel like that's the absolute perfect age for this kind of movie to have just, like, an absolute, like, massive influence. I mean, like, you know, it's no secret that you have a little film now. You're going to school for cinema studies and you, you know, work in film and you've, like, interned and or helped out at, like, film festivals, right? Like, you're engaged with film. Uh, Yeah, very much so. And do you think this movie has attributed to you? It was definitely a big uh, contribution. Um it wasn't. It certainly wasn't the first. Like mm-hmm. I remember, like making stuff in my backyard and watching like a whole bunch of for sure, whole bunch of movies. Like, but you know. I remember, I for me, like the movie that like, and this might be a discussion for a different day, but I'm hosting. But the movie that like really changed my life and got me like thinking more about movies was uh, Fight Club. That's Ooh. that's Fight Club for me was the that's one another good where one. I saw it and like I didn't see it in theaters. A friend of mine showed me on a sleepover. Which I couldn't tell my parents because they were gonna be mad at an R rated movie. But I saw that movie and I was like, it like broke my brain open like an egg. And I can only imagine <laughs> like being a thirteen year old. And, that, and that's the thing. I was that age when I saw Fight Club, and that's what uh-huh. it did to me. So I can only imagine like seeing a movie like Dark Knight, which is like a uh, an IP, an intellectual property that you have grown up with. But oh yeah, for the first time, seeing some of these characters kind of do. Not these things in general, because like the comic books generally have a darker tone to them. And, but seeing them yeah, doing I, it on the and big and I watched screen. and I watched the animated series. I watched right. Justice League. I saw like the you were not unfamiliar, and, not at all, not at all. But this is a whole new world. But kind of for, but yeah. So so Jack and I and my father and I think our uncle came with us too. Um, we sat down in in the big comfy regal seats, mm-hmm. and like the theater was completely packed, and there were just this insane energy right. of everyone just like incredibly psyched to see this movie and you know this is my again this is my first time in a regal theater so i didn't know that this was a normal thing but when the regal theater like like the screen itself like opened up yeah like the fucking pearly gates <laughs> and made the made the screen like 
three quarters bigger than it was before that shit blew my 13 year old mind Mm -hmm. when i was a kid and i was like oh my god i'm in for something special and then the the watchman trailer with the fucking smashing pumpkins song cut to it that shit blew my mind that watchman trailer is real good that was a that's a great trailer that that trailer holds up Mm mm-hmm and then the movie started, and I was just taken on. <laughs> Mike Birch is laughing. I'm sorry. There's something about there's something about the sentence, the Watchmen trailer with that fucking smashing pumpkin song. <laughs> it, 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 it's like, true though. It like it's a good to, like, trailer. A very honest core of me, and I couldn't. I'm sorry. Yeah, but it's you're no, you're very right. That song shouldn't be in that movie though. I don't think it was. But they had a weird. Different conversation, different day. No, that song is actually... That song, funny enough, was actually written for Batman and Robin. Wait, really? Yeah. Different conversation, different That's day. That's a different conversation. Different conversation, different, different, different day. day. But <laughs> anyway, but I digress. Yeah. Dark Knight, what a wild fucking it ride. your fucking mind. That movie was... Yeah. I, you know, Blue Jack's mind as well. You can certainly... Yeah, elab- Jack, do you have anything to add that? to... To the I have tale. no recollection of this day whatsoever. <laughs> Today was almost like you seen the movie for the first time. Right? Uh, I don't. I don't remember anything Jeremy was talking about from that day. Um, <laughs> I didn't know he was my brother until I he kind of alluded just to met it. this person minutes ago. <laughs> I don't even really. No, no. We uh, we we went to see it together, and I mm-hmm. I definitely remember. I mean, I was sixteen at the time, so that's also a pretty impressionable age. Absolutely. Yeah. Um and. Definitely, like, just the cold open into the daylight heist of this movie is like, this is gonna be something. Like, yeah. that first opening scene. It's not like any Batman thing you've ever seen before, it's like but even at superhero. A, right, and at its heat. It's yeah. exactly, and it's something special, especially for a Batman movie, because, like, you know, Batman's not gonna show up in the daytime. So, like, really, like, Opening this movie and really dwelling on the idea of the Joker as like one of the the main focuses in this movie, and I, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are on the same page that the Joker makes this movie more than anything Absolutely. else. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Absolutely, but I also very much remember the impact that this movie had on Jeremy specifically because I think we've all been there. I think we've all been 13 years old and we see a movie that fundamentally changes things for us. And while I really, really like this movie, I still love this movie. Right. Seeing Jeremy go through that as a 13 year old and just seeing his mind being blown in real time and then seeing the fallout of like the direct, how much of an impression this movie made on him specifically Mm -hmm. was really interesting. Cause I, I, I mean, we probably all have this movie, right? Like, oh yeah, we ha- each have our own probably different movie when we were thirteen that just totally. Mine, like I said, mine, mine was Fight Club was for Fight sure. Club. Right, mine was the Matrix. John, yeah, for sure. And uh, Burge, I'm curious to hear. I want to hear your story of both where you were when Dark Knight came out, and also what do you think between the ages of thirteen, sixteen, maybe even younger? What is the movie that kind of made kind of blew your mind a little bit and kind of made you see movies in maybe a different light than you yeah, ever saw it changes before. the way you think about I, not I just think entertainment the, but something mm-hmm. else i think that's the thing right that's what we're getting at here is like what is the movie that like kind of changes your entire right. perspective of movies in general uh probably the first time i saw train spotting wow really? well that's that that an interesting well how old are you when you saw i mean i was older i had to be like i don't know 12 
When I saw train spotting. That's young. You saw bro. train spotting at age That's 12. Fucking oh, young. Dude, I saw child's play when I was four. Like I was just watching movies. Nobody gave I mean, a child's, shit what I was watching. That's play for child. It's pretty tame. Even for like a horror movie. But I, I still maintain, but it's a personal preference because I was four years old the first time I saw the child's play is the scariest movie ever fucking made. And Fair. I think that people <laughs> don't remember how scary some of the shots and situations are. The last. 15 minutes of that movie are out of control scary. Like, yeah, but it's like, stop it. Like, I mean, this isn't fun. <laughs> Enough. Welcome to Battle yeah. where we talk about child's play. But, yeah, that's always like, fun. <laughs> okay. Conversational podcast. If you saw Train Spotting when you were four, that would probably be the scariest yeah, movie you've yeah, ever seen. I mean, I watched I think so. it's like, because I, I was into, I've been into movies like very, very long, and I was always like, I want to be a part of that world, and I want to. I want to consume movies like that. But Train Spotting was one of these ones where it's like like when I saw it nobody I knew like knew about it. It was yeah. a small thing and I just kind of stumbled upon it by accident. I think my cousin my older cousin Jason had a copy of it on VHS and it was just like I watched it and there's just there's it's Danny Boyle like there's shots in it like when he goes into the toilet and all of a sudden he's underwater. The surreal like, nature of it. It's yeah. absolutely insane. And then like the baby on the ceiling, there's all this crazy stuff, but it's all like fun, but it's dark. And like, it, it's just like, it hit me over the yeah. head. And I was just like, you can do crazy shit. With that movies. reminded me of uh, when I saw, it was Donnie Darko and Fight Club. I kind of saw around the same time. I think this is a fun tangent to go on. You really love Todd Topic. Huh? I really love Todd Topic. But yeah. what I was going to say though is um, Big Fish kind of remind me your experience with train spotting reminds me of my experience with big fish real that big when fish? it came out real big fish maybe it actually happened around the same time i <laughs> I, uh, I will go on the record and stay big fish I, is tim burton's best I movie i love big fish it's probably tim burton's best movie that is not cool. uh, it's not bad one of one of one of the other movies that really like was a big game Star changer Man for me was uh was ed wood that was movie? that was. Ed Wood, I, I, think, I, I, I would say like that's closer to Tim Burton, one of Tim Burton's best okay. movies. Ed Wood, Beetlejuice. Edward Scissorhands is real good. Edward Scissorhands is real good. I do also remember your obsession with Ed Wood. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, you know another movie for mine too, since everybody else is naming two. Uh, Made in Manhattan. I didn't see that. That's like M A I D. Yeah. Manhattan. Yeah. Jeremy, do you have or Jeremy? Made in Manhattan. Gonna Made in Manhattan. Jack, do you Made have in... any more like movies that kind of? You said The Matrix, but you have anything else that you remember making a big impression on you when you first saw it? Ants. Fuck you. Ants with a Z. No, no, seriously. No, seriously. No, I, can really... vouch, I can vouch for this. You we, actually, well, we tell, watched... me about, tell me about Ants. We watch Ants all the fucking time. Ants is a cool kids. movie. It's better than Bugs Life. That's Without not a doubt. That's not true. true. You don't think it's better than it's Bugs Life? It's not better than Bugs Life, but I watched that movie it's a different. lot when I was a kid. I think there are two sides of like a similar coin. Oh. Made in Manhattan had Jennifer Lopez and Ray Fiennes. And Ray Fiennes was the romantic lead in a romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. This makes sense. This is a pretty cool Batman podcast we're doing. <laughs> this is a great Batman podcast. It's important to find kind of... Uh, when we talk about Dark Knight, I think it's important to find out like the movies that made an impression on us. Because this movie made a big impression on Jeremy. But this movie also made a big impression on all of us. On yeah, everybody. On everybody. And this the, movie is Going to see huge. this movie in the theaters is like a big deal and that is a story worth telling. So my my story, which is short, is I saw this movie at the midnight opening at the Gallery Mall in Poughkeepsie. And then six hours later, I bought a ticket at the Fishkill Galleria and I saw it again. 
I slept for like four hours and it was like 10 a.m. And I was like, <clears throat> my girlfriend was like, did you see Batman? I'm like, yeah, guess who's going to see it again? You and me. Let's go. And we just saw Batman. I just watched Batman again. So in 24 hours, I already saw Batman twice. It was that big of a deal. And like the last movie, the movie I can think about that affected me that way, where it was just like you leave the theater and you kind of like look at the sky and you're just like, ah, that's not as cool as what I could just turn around and go do again was Force Awakens. Because when I saw Force Awakens, I like had an out-of-body crying experience. But that's more nostalgia-based. The, the, Dark Knight the, is new. Yeah. was new. It was something that none of us, I don't think, have seen before well, and in, it was, a, in a superhero movie and in like a movie like this in general. It was unlike anything that had ever happened for a superhero movie, and it's pretty much unlike anything that has ever happened since. since. I think I think like the closest thing might have been, like recently, may have been like Logan. As terms of like what you could do with the superhero genre, Maybe or, or Civil War, or, or Wonder Woman. I was gonna say like the first Avengers, because the first Avengers was like the movie that proved that you can bring all these characters from all these different movies together yeah. and make it work. I think what, yeah, but it's a different thing. It I is think, a different thing. No, it's a much different thing. But it's but it's on like a similar like game changer for Dark like Knight, what the superhero. What Dark Knight genre does so was. successfully is that it is the the film was a juggling act of like. And it's a juggling act in different acts where it starts off as just like, we're going to talk about the mob scene. And then we have the supernatural element that's entering the mob scene, the Joker. And he's your X factor. And he's changing kind of like the classic mob paradigm into something that he basically turns into chaos as he does with everything. And he like molds and changes this like plot dynamic and uses it to his will. And it's just... The film uses so many things we've seen before. Gangsters, superheroes, action, pseudo-noirs, politics. But it wraps it up in something that, like, I have not seen since. And I don't think you would ever see again. Like, you know, there's there's never going to be a Batman movie made like this. No. Ever again. There will never be a Batman movie like this. Movie. Nolan certainly tried with Rises, but there that's probably a, that's won't another be another. That's another. We'll get there soon. There probably won't be another superhero movie made like this. No, I think that Not I think a, Civil War and Winter Soldier. Even simpler. There probably won't be another movie made like this. No, one. This, this is, is a, this is a game changer in every sense of the word. We've been using that. This term was a something lot. that completely changed. Not just like how superhero movies are made. It changed how movies are made, released, you, uh, marketed. You uh, change things. <laughs> I don't... So, <laughs> he's right, though. He's, he's absolutely 100% right. true. My, my first time going to see this, mm-hmm. I went down to New York City, I went with my friend of mine, and we went in there. None of our other friends could go. It went opening night. It was really awesome. We were right in the front rows. I was like the third human body to enter the room. Um, and I do specifically remember the Watchmen trailer because it was like everybody was looking forward to it. Simpler days. And, uh, and that's <laughs> yeah. just, a, it's a, like, you know, it's a, it's a fucking movie, man. Like, it's a fucking masterpiece. Like, it's it's fucking crazy how good this movie is we me and you robbie we were talking about it where it's like it's a lot like blade runner in the sense where you're like blade runner 2049 yeah it's like this movie has no right to, to be, be this, this good, good. Like, it's yeah. got all these moving parts and it's about more than just you know punchy swingy laughy haha it's it's got like weight to it where it's talking about you know 
like morals and you know just and what it means to believe in something and to, like that's uh, one of the things everybody always says like the Dark Knight Batman Begins it's like they they're doing comic books only like for adults and seriously it's not so much they're doing it seriously it's that they're treating especially with the Dark Knight is they're treating all of these characters with respect yes all of these characters are being hand from Gordon to um, Rachel Dawes character to Harvey Dent like everybody is being treated with the right level of respect whether or not they're exactly like the comic books or not because like the everybody is drastically different from what they are in the comics Absolutely. or anything like that but it's they 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 morph them together into these archetypes that all serve what this movie's trying to get at I mean I would say that Dark Knight is very successful and masterful as a Batman Begins sequel. Mm -hmm. And it treats those characters with respect from Batman Begins. Whether or not the movie is concerned with the comics or the Batman lore or anything like that, I don't think it really is. I think the movie is kind of like, yeah, we have folded in some of the best parts of Joker and we fold that into like our own thing, and like you guys brought up a lot of uh, was it Long Halloween mm -hmm. as like a comic book that's like relevant to this film and to a lot of the films in the Nolan franchise, and they probably fold in a lot of that stuff as well. But this movie is really trying to be, I think, a sequel to Batman Begins and a and like a thematic kind of extension of that movie and taking those themes from that movie into new places, mm -hmm. like the idea of fear, the idea of corruption, the idea of crime versus Gotham, crime versus Batman, and what introducing this foreign agent that is vigilantism against the current political paradigm, which is crime, and seeing how those two things interact and seeing the organism that is born from this injection, which is the Joker, something that is crime, something that isn't political, something that cannot be killed by logic, this kind of parasite almost. Mm -hmm. Whether or not Christopher Nolan is concerned about where Batman has been previously, as far as comic books go or the, the graphic novels go, mm -hmm. he is certainly keeping all of the major touchstones of Batman history in mind. Yeah. Like, it's not like Christopher Nolan hasn't read or doesn't care about oh, no. those he like, knows. very pivotal and important Batman stories. He is keeping them in mind while still forging his own new Batman story. Yeah. Like, I think one of the, the one specific example is the courtroom scene with Harvey Dent when he is, uh, he is interrogating the witness for, um, for Maroney. 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 Yeah. yeah. Sorry. This is like earlier in the movie. Right. And when he almost gets assassinated and he, he almost gets assassinated like, and that's a, yeah. A scene from Long Halloween where Harvey Dent gets acid thrown on him, and that's where he becomes Two Face. Two Face. Yeah. But it's playing with the audience expectation of knowing that's when Harvey Dent gets the acid thrown on him. It's usually in a courtroom case during a case, and he yeah. subverts that that scene mm -hmm. where Harvey Dent actually becomes like heroic in that scene and shows a, yeah. a moment of heroism because the Harvey Dent changing into Two Face is going to come later in the movie. And it's also and it's something a lot like more he... tragic. It is more tragic Absolutely. because he keeps it from us for almost the entire movie. But I think it's a great mm -hmm. example of how Nolan is is using that historical Batman 
precedent and subverting it and creating his own Batman story. For sure. Yeah, it's just a, a really good. Movie. It's a really good just a movie. Fuck, it's, it's just a just fucking a classic. It's an instant classic. I mean, when we all left the theater, we were just like, "Holy shit!" It's just like one of the best movies ever made. And you know, even watching it again, and and like we were uh, when we do these like long running franchise movies, we get our goofs in, we get our goofs out. Of we, course, we joke and we hang out and we do our thing and. But, you know, the thing is, we're watching this movie and it's like, we know all the lines. It's a movie because it's a film that we've all seen like a thousand fucking times each. I think I've like, said it before on, on the podcasts. Uh, I, when I, whenever I set up my sound system in a new spot, uh, I always use uh, The Dark Knight or <clears throat> Serenity as my movies to like test it on because they have great sound ups and downs, lows yeah. and highs. So last time when I moved, when I moved back in May <clears throat> up to uh, Poughkeepsie, it was... Uh, setting up my little tiny living room arrangement uh, yeah. was I, I watched like the first half of the dark night just like messing around with like my levels and everything for the room and the movie does have really great sound and I wish that my apartment had the kind of capacity I wish I had like surround sound or something like oh, that yeah. you know because the movie is just it's it's crafted so well mm-hmm. the movie looks great the movie sounds great the dialogue Sweet. is great it's very quotable it's very quotable. There's some damn good quotes in that. We we Absolutely. we kept saying while we were watching it, we were like, "Oh, that line right there!" Like, what's the one uh, uh, that uh, Commissioner Gordon says about the Joker when they got him? And he says, "There's no, nothing in his pockets but knives and lint." Mm-hmm. That is just like m- like Mamma Mia. Yeah. What a tasty little line! Like, and to have and somebody f- like Gary Oldman like just like chewing into that 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 line is and the film fantastic. is such a it's. You know, we all love Batman Begins. I think we all definitely love Batman Begins. We don't think Batman Begins is a bad movie at all. Batman Begins is my favorite Batman movie because this is not a Batman movie. This is not a... Because, like, when you get into The Dark Knight and, like, we're definitely going to take a break at some point during this podcast and we're going to bring in some real heavy hitter conversation in that later half. But I kind of want to get into this idea of, like, yeah, this movie doesn't have a... For a Batman movie, for The Dark Knight, this movie does not have a clear-cut protagonist. It has three. Yeah, I say. Arguably so, for mm-hmm. sure. But I do think when watching it, like, I think it's kind of like a roller coaster ride where you finish it and you're like, that was one of the best Batman movies I've ever seen. But then you think about it and you're just like, not because of Batman. Not because of Batman. Because like, of Bat- Batman. does Batman do some cool shit? Like, yeah, he does the weird dance and people fall next to him when he fights them. <laughs> but I really, I have a bone to pick with the fight choreography, but that's a, man, we'll get to it. This this is a great movie, but it's not a perfect movie. It's not a perfect movie, movies. and, you know, we are some years removed, so things don't uh, it's, it's all ex- line up as well. It's but. an exceptional movie. But oh, absolutely. And one of the absolutely. most important movies of, like, the 2000s. For yeah. sure. Yes. For, for yes. Like, in, definitely in terms of like blockbusters. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's yes. Absolutely. It's but a um, pleaser. For sure. For sure. But then you know when you get to uh, Dark Knight Rises, which we will be devoting a whole episode of Battering to, of course. But uh, you know, Batman or Dark Knight Rises feels like much more of a sequel to Batman Begins, whereas this movie is kind of like this weird, perfect cinematic outlier to mm-hmm. the entire trilogy and it's it just raises a lot of questions it makes me question like what is going through these people's heads when they're making this film are they just like 
they they caught all the lightning that has ever existed in a Batman very, bottle. And they're like, very much an we're accident. just going to do this. It's very much an accident. It has right. to be. It's, it's, a, it's, a, lot it's of a perfect very, storm. It's right? a lot of very good things and a lot of very good people and talented people all involved on something, trying to push something that's aggressively different from what they did before with Batman Begins. You know, like the whole idea is like uh, Chris Nolan sat down his team and was like, made him watch Blade Runner. To make mm-hmm. Batman Begins. Like, I want to make a movie like this. And then with this one, he sat him down and he, like, had him watch Heat. And he's like, I want to make a Michael Mann movie. And mm-hmm. so it's like, he just, like, took everybody's talents and just directed it through a different filter. And then what came out the end was just, like, just, like, it, like lightning in a bottle. It's like, they yeah. caught it. And it's like, oh, my God, that's why Dark Knight Rises, like, was doomed from the start. It's like, because it's never going... And that's the other thing, too. Even though this Dark Knight is the second part in a trilogy, you don't really need any more after this story. And you don't really need anything from Batman Begins to fully understand what's going on. No, it no. exists on its own. Very much in the same yes. way where we've mentioned before, where the Dark Knight Rises pretty much doesn't really tackle anything from this movie. No, save it's much for, more... Like, it's there's much more, a Harvey uh, Dent scene and Commissioner Gordon loses his marriage. Like... Ish, that's about yeah. it. Like everything else is otherwise. Much a, a it's about Batman Begins. Batman Begins. Yes. yes, absolutely. And that, and like there is some turn because obviously Heath Ledger dies before the he dies before the movie actually releases in theaters. One of the right? most tragic losses of. I, I mean, was gonna say June twenty second. I remember that, is, that date. Yeah, yeah like I think it was. I think it was January twenty. No, it was June June twenty second. Well, I think this is a good point because I I want to get some of this like more. I think the second half of the podcast is us diving into the deep chunks of the movie. But mm-hmm. before we get into that, like, you know, kind of to backtrack, do you guys remember you guys remember where you were when the movie came out? Do you guys remember when you heard Heath Ledger was gonna be the Joker? I remember exactly well oh, I would thought you were gonna say when Heath Ledger died. Give me both. I remember Start with Heath Ledger playing the Joker. Absolutely though. rough. When Heath Ledger when died. When Heath Ledger got cast as the Joker, you're like, hmm, that's kinda weird, but I am a huge Heath Ledger fan. I love yes. Heath Ledger. And Brokeback Mountain was just a few years before this, and it was like, that's one of my fucking favorite movies. That mm-hmm. movie is amazing. Yeah. And it's like, this guy can really fucking do this shit, and he's breaking into it. So when they hired him as the Joker, I was like, hey, go for it, dude. Like, we haven't seen him. It was a complete so... opposite direction where everybody thought he was going to go. They thought now he's like this Oscar dude. Like, now he's going to... He's gonna be doing the Oscar movies and like Which he getting is. that gold, and <laughs> and they were like, oh, he's doing a superhero movie now. Yeah, you know, and Chris Nolan still hadn't done Inception, mm-hmm. which I mean, Dark Knight is what really solidified him. But then when he did Inception too, they were like, oh, Christopher Nolan's a genius. Every movie he makes, we'll just give him, just give, give him, the him stuff, stuff do it. give him everything. Yeah. So it hadn't happened yet. So everybody's like, oh, he's gonna play the Joker. There's no way he'll ever top Jack Nicholson. Oh, all that stuff and it's re- like I do remember that yeah there was all of that but when he when he died it was like I remember being like physically upset like, upset, like yeah. just like oh I was at work and I think a buddy of mine uh, from New York I was living in Virginia texted me mm-hmm. he was like yo Heath Ledger died and it's like what that can't be true and yeah. you look it up and you sounds like some marketing or some weird thing maybe for the film it's crazy well cuz yeah. i don't think that they had they hadn't just quite started the marketing campaign and 
that's the whole thing too that's interesting behind the scenes with this is their entire marketing campaign leading up to the movie was going to be completely centered around Heath Ledger as the Joker because it was a tour de force he also directed a lot of these uh, kind of vignette pieces that we see a little bit in the movie but also also in the on YouTube right like he pretty much just like was able to do whatever he wanted because as the story goes uh, Heath Ledger locked himself in a motel room for six weeks as a diary and like completely broke into the psychology of this guy, developed the voice, which he pretty much just came up with a really good Tom Waits impression. Yeah. <laughs> um, and He didn't try to do the Mark Hamill. No, he didn't. Which, no, that's, which is okay. that's one of his things, too. That's the okay. laugh and the voice. He was trying to stay as far away from Mark Hamill and Jack Nicholson as possible. Which is good. It, and it works. exactly and it works. what he did. Yeah. He created this kind of, like, if anything, Sid Vicious. He does. In the big, his, fir- his first real laugh in the movie is almost, I think, mocking. It's Mark a sardonic laugh. Yeah. yeah, it's just uh-huh. like, he's like, ha, 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 ha. It's like, he's making fun of, like, maybe those characters, but he's making fun of, like, the comic book bubble laugh. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, that's, like, the first time where we're, like, really introduced to the Joker. Like, we're introduced to him in, like, the beginning heist scene, but yeah. where we see him as, like, the character that this he is, is a very, the rest of the movie. This is a very postmodern clown prince of crime and we will dive into that very soon it's just he's so goddamn. he's good he's just he's amazing every time he's on the screen you're just like what is this guy gonna do like you can't like it's it's one of those shocking like things where you're just like it doesn't matter there's no disagreeing with it it's Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker in The Dark Knight is one of the greatest performances ever captured on screen. Yes. That's just it. And you watch it and you can try and make arguments against it, but at the end of the day, you're going to have nothing because literally every scene that he's in, he's just electricity. He's absolutely crazy. You don't know what he's going to do next, but now you know because we've seen it tons of times. But still. But it's still magnetic. It's, ca- still, it's captivating. It's captivating as all yes, hell. that's what And it that's is. why like they were going to be doing the marketing campaign completely around him leading up to it. And then he died and they had to completely come up with new stuff. And that's why like now like, you know, that's actually one of like the really dark things is you remember the Why So Serious poster where the Joker is behind glass so you can't yeah. see him. You know, it's like, oh, you can't see him. We want you to go see what he looks like in the movie. Heath Ledger was already dead. They weren't able to do these production photos. They weren't able to do these. So then they started doing, uh, you know, like Batman standing in front of like skyscraper and like the the, the bat symbols on fire. Joker was going to be most of the production. Right. They were going to build it all around. You know, it speaks to kind of, you know, the. What is a common theme that arises? when we talk about these Batman movies during these Batman podcasts. The villains. The villains. The villains oh, yeah. are the forefront of the movies. And Batman Begins is really the only kind of like straight stray away from this thing. But arguably because Ra's al Ghul is the ninja master behind Batman, it's kind of hard to even argue against that. But um, Batman Begins is, is kind of in a way the first like all-inclusive Batman <laughs> story. And we get two bad guys. Mm-hmm. For the most part, the villains are the major part of these movies, and Joker and Two Face, again, they're the memorable parts of this movie, and they're ama- they're incredible. I mean, yeah, Aaron, they, Aaron they, Eckhart as well, like goes very Aaron much Eckhart is because so incredible. Aaron in Eckhart That's, is yeah. the perfect casting in this. Oh my god, he's he is so just good. like he's uh, like charming. But kind of like in a dick way. Well, especially like if you're like, kind of like you could totally see this guy being a dick. If the only movie you saw with him is Thank You for Smoking, 
Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Have you ever That's seen great. the movie uh, In the Company of Men? I haven't seen that. It's his, uh, one of his like first movies, one of his earlier roles, mm-hmm. and it is awesome, but yeah. it's like super gross and nasty. Doesn't make you feel good. Does not make yeah. you feel good. No, I, I had like a panic attack the first time I watched and it. That, and that role asked of a lot of Aaron Eckhart. Right. Like he, had to, he had to go through a lot of emotions. He had to go through a lot of changes. Mm-hmm. He had He's, to make that leap believable, and it's a big absolutely. leap. Absolutely. Yeah. You know who was supposed to play him? Like, in almost movie? signed on and everything, like, about to do it. Matt Damon. Mm, that's uh, a different movie right there. That's, that's a, a very different, different movie. movie. Yeah. Aaron Arkart really seals this idea of, like... Because I feel like when he's being Harvey Dent, the good guy, he fucking believes it. Like, he that's does. that's the thing. And, like, when you see Tommy Lee Jones be Harvey Dent for two seconds in Forever, it's like, I'm a happy guy until I'm bad. <laughs> Let me put this paper in front of my face. Ah, it hurts. Stop the acid. I've got this paper got... that the acid can't burn through. Well, yeah. I, think, I think what Dark, the Dark Knight really nails, mm. which is what you're getting at here, referencing forever, yeah. is that uh, <laughs> Harvey Dent really only works if you know Harvey Dent as a good character. Right. Like the, the dichotomy of Harvey Dent only works when you have a pure Harvey Dent introduced first. Yeah. And Harvey Dent as the actual true white knight of Gotham. Is the best version of that character. Right. For and, sure. and he is in this movie what Batman aspires to be because Batman only wants the best for Gotham and he believes that Harvey Dent is the actual like true the fucking but, yeah, I mean Batman, the only, that, Batman that, only has his hubris for a moment before he's just like no, like I have to exist, right? But under the radar, I have to exist as the illegal entity, right? To but Gotham. it's it's the yeah. line that's been like done to death now. Is is Harvey Dent? It was the hero that Gotham needs, yeah, right. But the 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 reason that that character works so well, mm-hmm. the corruption of that character works so well, and seeing like the corruption of that character through tragedy, yeah is why Harvey Dent works, like the dichotomy works. And that's why it doesn't work when it's Tommy Lee Jones, because all you see is this the bad part, yeah. madman who's just flipping a coin and and doing shit. You either and, but, die a hero. But also not, or you know, live long enough to see yourself become a villain. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, that line has been done to death in many but movies But it's still since. like a great line. Oh, it's, it's, still, it's still a fantastic line. Because it, because it applies. It still yeah. applies. That, and, that line wouldn't be ripped off so much if it wasn't so great. Mm-hmm. For sure. And that's, what you, Jack, what you were saying about like Two-Face having, like that's a, you want to see him as a good guy and turn into Two-Face, because that's such a great arc. You need to see the in, other like, face. The, like the basic... The basicness of that story is just so simple to tell and so powerful and moving. Like they just had, like you know, it was already it was already like baked in. They're like, oh, all we got to do is just translate this on there, and it's a great mash between, like you know, we said that the three main characters in this movie are Gordon Dent and Bruce Wayne Batman. Yes, you know, and it it's it's coming at trying to stop crime, the bad guy, which is crime. Mm-hmm. Through different means, you know, like vigilantism, police, police, or like the law and like locking people up and... Politism. Court, politism, yeah, stuff like yeah. that. Politicism. Yes. Politicism? Yes. Politicism? I think politicism... Politicism? Yeah. I think politics is like politics. Yeah, yeah, I was just like trying to get there. I, I wasn't you, I trying to sound dumb. And it's like, yeah, and it's... <laughs> it, we see... And the Joker is kind of like this... 
you know, this monkey wrench that's being thrown in their, you know, proverbial uh, gears. Yes. They are trying to, like, get this city back on track and moving, and in comes the Joker, and he's just like, hello, let's joke this thing up let's, real quick. Hey, you got a party? I'm gonna joke it. You got a pencil? I'm gonna joke that, too. I'm gonna joke that pencil. I'm gonna joke this pool stick. I'm gonna joke that school bus. What else you guys got in here? Is that a glass of champagne? I'm gonna joke that. I'm gonna joke that straight up. I'm gonna joke that, too. I like your face. I'm gonna joke you. I'm gonna joke you. I'm gonna joke you up. Um... Okay, so that bit think, played better while we were watching the movie. <laughs> I liked, I liked it still, and we'll Hello. and we'll see what the audience feels about that. I think it's a good point to take a break because um, the question that will listen if you're really bored of the podcast right now, there's a question I'm going to ask these guys that's going to bring it back in, and what does it mean to be an agent of chaos? So when we come back, let's start talking about what it means to be an agent of chaos. Because this is kind of different than what a Joker proper normally is. Joking let me around. let me just foreshadow this. My agent of chaos right now is whether or not I'm going to pee my pants. So this is a good point to take a break, <laughs> and I also need to get more way. beer. Take a little break. It could right, go either way. Break. We'll see. Thank you guys for listening this far, and I hope to see you back real soon. Hey guys, Mike Birch here, popping in just to let you know about. Our franchise podcast, which you're listening to. You might not know, but we did another franchise before, and it was one that made us all the story screen family that we've become. Yes, that's right. You guessed it, because you're so smart and you didn't even really need any clues besides that. We did the Fast and the Furious franchise. We did Fast and Furious, the Fast and the Furious, Too Fast, Too Furious, Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift. Fast and Furious. Fast, fast and four? Furious. Oh, Fast Five. Fast Five. Fast furious Six. Furious Seven. And then the F Eight of the Furious. Yeah, that's it. Uh, we also did the ride. Oh, the the amusement park. Amusement park ride yeah. with all the Vin Diesel. And we did Los Bandoleros. And we did Los Bandoleros. Yes, yeah. it's and a we, complete. Wait, did you guys just like watch a YouTube video of, of the ride? Yeah. We didn't go. We didn't. Yeah, we couldn't go. because yeah. that one's not even at Florida yet. Yeah, we couldn't. Yeah, go. we wanted to. And we did it all a quarter mile at a time. Ooh! Oh! So you guys can check back on that, and uh, and you know you can really get to see, you know. Vin Diesel's arc of like going from a guy that completely ruined a man's life by bashing his face in with a wrench to mm. like a really good father figure for all these rapscallions. <laughs> who uh, also maybe will bash someone's potential face in with a wrench. That guy deserved it. Agreed. He was just a car racer. He's a bad... Wait, he, that's all he did? He was just a car racer. It's been he, a while since he we accidentally it. killed his, Vin Diesel's dad and so he like... Maybe Murdered we should take it from the Bashed top. his face in. Should we do another? Okay, so you should definitely go over and check that out because we keep it nice and tight just like this. All right, now let's get back to talking about the Batmans. Hello and welcome back to Mmm Battering. The... <laughs> yeah, you like that. Story Screens Batman podcast, the episode where we're talking about the Dark Knight. Um, so the kind of cliffhanger I left the audience with and my fellow co-hosts... Yeah, come on, hurry up. ...is, uh, the idea of Joker being an agent of chaos. 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 Chairs. Chairos. It's chaos. Um... Chairs. Chairs? Are we... Agent of chairos. 
So the reason I brought before everyone makes fun of me for saying that sentence and bringing this idea up. Too late. That is, it is too late. But maybe the listener (laughs) is, is, is a little late to the joke. The reason I brought it up is because I think this is the first time we've seen Joker be an agent of something. Him not, maybe him having a potential God complex. Him kind of like holding something to a higher esteem, this idea of no God, this idea of chaos. Him kind of thinking that maybe he's a subservient to this idea. Whereas Joker that we've seen in the past operates on his own. He's his own leader. He's his own master. He's his own kind of agency. And I do think that the Joker that we see in this movie is an agent, is a subservient, is something that works under an idea. He's almost a type of... Imagine him as a missionary of chaos. Imagine him as something that is trying to preach chaos to the world, which is not really in line with the Joker characters we've seen before. And that's kind of my pitch, and I'm curious if you guys feel similar, and maybe bash it out of the way real quick, and, and we can get through it, but that's that's a big question I want to bring to the table. I mean, I don't think you're wrong. I think it's just kind of like, he is all those things without the idea of like being subservient to it. Mm-hmm. I think that you might just be looking at his line about an agent of chaos. It's I think that he does think that he's in charge, and but I think what you're scratching at is like he almost... He has like a, a feeling of duty. Like mm-hmm. it is his job to give Gotham a better class of criminal. It's like it's his job to do it. Nobody else is going to do it. And I think that's where that comes from. So no, you're not wrong at all. That's, that's an interesting way to look at it. I think I disagree with you both in that both of you are assigning sort of a meaning to what he does. And his entire point is to what so he devoid does of is so devoid of meaning that I don't think he has this more grandiose idea of what he's going for. Well, he literally has that he line just, about the catching, like a dog chasing cars. Like, I wouldn't know what to do if I actually caught it. I was like, I don't have a plan. There's right. no end game here. And, and both, then of you are Aaron, des- both of you are describing a, a Joker who has this bigger picture idea, big, bigger meaning, the bigger implication of everything he, he that he's doing. Of, he does kind of hint at it. Yeah, it's not, I, I think it's, it's not big plans. It's small, immediate plans, which oh. he does plan on being a better criminal in Gotham. He says that, he starts to make moves to do that, and he's like, now I'm going to do this. I'm going to use the news. Now I'm going to do this. I'm going to blow up a hospital. Like there's he, some he's smaller level, plans as he's just coming along But there's with some it. level of him having to sit in a room Sit in front of something and plan something out. Well, that's the over. bank. The no, 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 no. Now you're now you're losing me because that is looking past what we see in the movie. And the Joker's whole point is that he is this kind of mystic presence. He just kind of comes in and goes away. There's no like I don't like people that are like, oh, his plan was way too intricate. It wouldn't work. And I'm like, uh, it did work. I think it did it's work, like, it but did I, think that, I, I think that he's. I think that he's such a mastermind that he did plan it. But because what you're the, describing, what the you're bank... describing is inherently the opposite of chaos. Absolutely, which is what I think that like most people who are like agents of anarchy are actually forces to be in line with a paradigm. I think that for Joker in the reality of the film to pull off the bank heist, the two. Um, ships that might blow each other up. These I want to talk about the, the thing. Please with the ship and like, let me let me get my pitch out, and then we can riff on it. And and again, like, I'm open to you guys totally disagreeing with me. 
But uh, him, like, doing these kind of elaborate schemes, elaborate crimes, these things that he seems to be, like, three or four steps ahead, maybe by nature of him not caring, mm-hmm. maybe by nature of him planning for the outcome, like, like, a, like someone who's really good at chess, or someone who's really good at That's martial arts. That's I was arts, just about to say. It's three the, or four moves ahead at all times. big thing in this movie is that he is playing under, a game. He understands... Uh, people. Yes. He understands how they're going to react to certain things. He knows what they're going to do if he presents something in, like, a series of events. And that's what makes him such a master manipulator. But Jack is right that, you know, it's... You can't have... You can't have your cake and eat it, too, kind of thing. You can't say that he's a master agent of chaos and that he's also, like, meticulously designing these kind of Rube Goldberg. Well, that's why, I, that's why I think he has almost an identity crisis. And I think that... Uh, that's closer to the truth, uh, somewhere uh, in the middle. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there, there's a line that uh, Harvey Dent says when he's like talking to someone about Joker and he says, Joker is just a bad dog. Someone let him off the leash. Maybe that's someone is chaos. Maybe that's someone is this idea, this like... No, that's... Um, but, but Maroney whatever let him off the leash. To. But Maroney never controlled him. But we joked yes, about they did. this. they hired him. That's the whole point to that. He wants to get the people that are responsible sure, sure. for literally they say we're gonna hire the Joker to kill Batman and in Joker's process of killing Batman he murders Rachel. But we, we talked about this and we joked about this a lot while we were watching the movie, and really what it is, the the kind of in between of this like mastermind criminal mastermind and complete agent of chaos, he's a master improviser. Mm. He has all these scenarios probably percolating around in his head. And he may not have like a complete through line. He might have an idea of what he wants to do. He's just that good at picking up the But the reason ball. that he is so good at crime in this way, that he's the, the prince of crime, mm-hmm. is because he's just fumbling his way through this and he's the master improviser that is... The, the happiest accent of it all is the scene in the hospital where he just, um, I mean, both both behind the scenes and in front of the camera. Yeah, just dealing with it. Just dealing with him. Uh, the explosion. De- yeah. Dealing with the explosion and him pushing the button. One of the most memorable this. scenes in the movie. Yeah. And I was going to say, the inter- uh, backing up Jack's point too, which does make sense, is uh, it, like, remember, shortly after the interrogation scene, they leave a cop in the room to watch the Joker. Mm-hmm. And the key to the Joker being able to get to a phone to be able to blow up the building, which is key to him getting out of there. He could not have known person. who they were going to put in that room to watch him. Or even yeah. if they were going to put someone. He, and so when he sees he's in the room, he's like, okay, I've got this guy. It's not Gordon. It's not anyone else. It's this guy. He's just a cop. I'm going to remind him that I've killed tons of his friends and I'm going to get this guy to beat me up in this interrogate, like he just made that up right there, and so or didn't, but that's kind of like that's yeah. what's so much fun about this character and this performance is you don't know what he's going to do. So you guys like, really it almost feels like he could do something different every time. He's you watch really the movie. that unpredictable. He's really that just. But he's he's simultaneously unpredictable and a mastermind because he just can roll with any scenario that is presented to him. He's playing jazz. Haven't you guys seen fucking La La Land? Yeah. Exactly. So what? So th- this is essentially <laughs> Jack. Like that. So where I'm where I'm kind of boiling this down is like, so what's the Joker's like superpower? His ability to just kind of. I think the Joker's do. the Joker's superpower is improv, Im- improvisation, and luck. Mm. He's one of those USB alumni. I can agree. And I, then, I like that. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, another point he's trying to make 
is that other people are just like him too with yeah. the fairy scene is that I'm not the only one who is an agent of chaos and who can just like cause all this dis- destruction do and, or do something that's all like a part of the plan so mm-hmm. I'm going to give give this give these people their fate of either letting themselves uh succumb to these these criminals on the boat or or you know uh yeah like letting these letting these criminals take them or the, or them taking the criminals because they have already like made their decisions and everything and all of a sudden the jo- they're proven wrong yeah like no they they prove the joker they wrong they prove the joker wrong but and the joker's just like i guess i'll just do it myself mike yeah. spoke to this also the joker believes that he has this ability to read people in the way that he part of his controlled chaos is that he know he thinks he knows mm-hmm. what people how people are going to react, and, and then all entire, of a sudden, that he's entire ending wrong. fairy is him. You know, he's grown. He, he's grown drunk on how well all of his plans have gone. He's like, I did this, and I did that, and I did this, and I did that, and now I'm gonna do this fairy thing, and they're gonna fucking blow each other up. Like that's it. And then, like he realized, like, ah, oh, man, they're not. Well, I mean, I got this anyway, so was, uh, I'll just. Right. And that's him. I don't imp- care that I'm wrong. That's him improvising again. He, yeah, he's wrong. But it doesn't matter because he has a backup plan. Yeah, he's anyway. not going to let himself See, but that's, again, back. that's the, the double-edged sword of it. It's like, yeah, he's improvising, but he also ha- had already made a backup plan. Right. It's the, you don't know where he's failed. coming from. But you don't know is, if it's if it's devious with intent or if it's just, like, dastardly because he's just coming up with it like a desperado. But he's good at improvising because he has ostensibly thought about all these thousands of potential scenarios yes. and Do you guys for them. think... Joker cares about Gotham. Do you think Joker cares about the state of Gotham, and what do you think is what Joker wants Gotham to be? I mean, definitely at the end of in, this movie? in certain versions of of the character. No, you're talking about in this movie. This one, but, sure, but, but, if, but if you in have this movie, to influence. Yeah, that's... I think that's it. He cares about the influence. He doesn't care about the outcome, but he cares about having influence. Yeah, he wants to make like a stamp onto Gotham. So he cares more about ever... his own perspective or his own legacy. Legacy on No, nah, I think it cuz he kind of says it in the end like his his entire thing that he was working towards was Dent. Yeah. You know, he was doing his own little thing with the crime bosses. But Dent was the he he wanted, was he's the obsessed great... with Batman, but the big thing that he's doing Dent is the, the white whale. Is like Dent want, is the white knight, the white I whale. I wanted to the... prove that I could take someone who was so altruistically and morally good. And I wanted to bring them down so far where they could become this, like, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, agent of chaos. And, and then, or supervillain. And then because because he does that to Dent, and he's like, oh, if I can do this to Harvey Dent, I can do this to anybody. Yeah. And that's where the fairy scene comes in, and that's when he's... Mm-hmm. He's proven wrong. You know? I mean, the idea of the agent of chaos, I think agent of chaos is just another word for supervillain. Sure. You know. Harvey Dent becomes a agent because, like, I, I wrote a little note in my phone, and and I kind of like the way I phrased it. Is Joker is different? He doesn't work for himself. He sees himself as a soldier to an entity to chaos. And you guys kind of have it's an interesting concept. It's an interesting concept, and you guys have kind of molded it and and swayed it into your own way, where he does kind of work for himself, and he may not be subservient to this idea, but he does create another agent. He does create. Harvey, he creates Two Face. He makes a super end of the That's movie when he says that it's his ace in the hole. When he goes to that fairy thing and he's just standing up there with dogs, yeah, the Joker knows that he's already won because while all everybody's paying attention to escaping the city and this whole fairy debacle, 
Harvey Dent is out there murdering people. And as soon as people find out about that, the Joker's won. It's over. Yeah. And the Joker also knows that if he sets Batman after Harvey Dent, Harvey Dent is not going to stop. Batman, so Batman not, either has Batman to is kill going him to have to do something. Or Harvey Dent. And so that's why he's just like, it doesn't yeah. matter. Like, they can lock me up. And everything, and as an isolated as an isolated arc where we get no more Joker, unfortunately. Yes. After this, having that, having him kind of do this last stand where he's like, "It does not matter if I leave this building or not, I've won." Yeah. Because I was you able kill to me, take you drop me off one of the three matter. main characters. I was able to take him and bring him down to the new film to the film's new villain, mm-hmm. and now you're going to have to go stop him. And I have corrupted him so much that he is not going to stop. And you're going to have to make a choice. Yeah. And that's and he does. Like, Batman does essentially kill Harvey Dent. The, like, the Joker and then, wins across the line. And in terms of, like, again, this idea of, like, and I don't mean to keep bringing up, like, maybe a dead, like, motive. This idea of agent of chaos. Harvey Dent becomes the soldier of chaos. However, Dent becomes a slave to the coin. It's organized in a way that he perceives it. It's organized in a way that he kind of imagines it to be. But he, I agree, he becomes this thing that Joker creates. He becomes just another goon, but mm-hmm. a very powerful one. And, and yeah. he makes all the main characters uh, do everything that, they're, that they've been morally against. Like yes. Batman with killing someone. It's because, like, you know, you take away Rachel, he he doesn't care anymore, you know. Yeah, in, in, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we feel about... So Batman is our protagonist in the film. Batman's our hero. How do we feel about the lengths that he goes to protect Gotham? Well, that's like, again, I don't think that Batman is the protagonist. Oh, yeah. I think it's mainly these three. This is an ensemble where it's we're going to see Gordon, Dent, and Bruce Wayne are going to be tested mm-hmm. by the Joker and by the crime, and their morals are going to be tested, and we're going to see which one makes it and which ones don't and how they're both changed that on the other side yeah. at the end of it and that's that's what that's why the entire like the the inciting incident in this movie is very much when Gordon makes the deal with Dent to go meet Batman and he's yeah. like you're going to help me but you can't meet Batman yet but you got to help us and then there's that scene with them up on the rooftop and that's yeah. where they're like we're going to do this now we actually have to work together we can get something done my this, your that, and your that put together, we can really we can have something really special. Gotham, we yeah. can do this. And then the Joker just starts getting in there more and more and more, and Gordon has to like sacrifice his family and by like pretending to be dead. Right. And then uh, sacrifices, like puts his life in jeopardy by stating that he's Batman. You know, now the Joker's going to try and kill him. And, and Batman also is dealing with this whole moral code of how far can I take it? People know that well, I he, can't kill now, so now like they're they're kind of calling my bluff a little bit. Well, I think it's him keeping his identity secret. the The most selfish thing he does in the film is not admit to being Batman when Harvey Dent says, "I'm well, Batman." And I think that a big part of why he doesn't want to do, it, and he does decide to do it, but he and he tries, but he he's still tries. kind of holding back. He's still holding back, but he's yes. like, "I'm finally gonna have to do this." Is because it's not a hundred percent committal. Super greedy yeah. when it comes to his relationship with Rachel. Yes. He knows that Rachel is the is the thing at the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. of what this whole Batman thing is. He's like once this town doesn't need me anymore, I can marry I can Rachel. stop and I can marry Rachel and he doesn't understand that Rachel has has moved has moved on or was never really even considering that in the first place. Uh Rachel says in Batman Begins, she says, you know, the boy I loved went away. 
Yeah. And he never came back. He died in the well, he, essentially. Yeah, it's yeah. like, it, he never came back. It's like, uh, you, when maybe one day he will, but as long as you wear the Batman suit and That's go out and fight who crime, is, it's who like, you are, yeah. yeah, so, he, but he's holding on to that, and I think that the, that the whole idea of him not wanting to give up right away is because he's like, if I give up, then like, that's it. I don't have a happy ending. You know, and it's very simple and I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of overstating it and stuff, but I really think that that's where it's coming from, from his whole story pretty much is him grappling with, uh, his moral code and what, what this all means to be Batman and when it's going to end and how he's going to be able to continue a life after that. And Rachel is that big one. And that's, you know, the letter is a very big deal. Killing her is a very big deal yes. in the sense of what the movie was building up to when that finally happens. I mean, he definitely has some animo- animosity towards um, Harvey Dent in the scene where he gets shot by him and, like, kind of... He doesn't try the hardest to save him, I think. I think in the last scene, like, he's... I think he holds something maybe against Harvey Dent. I think he maybe. No, I think he did try and save him. I really do. Yeah. I, I don't think that he would want the Joker to win. Yeah. And that, and him killing Harvey Dent would be that, and it's just it, like it, Batman's like he's just he's that he good. can't hold on, like he just can't hold on to him for that long, and then and, you know, he ends up falling himself too. And yeah. you know, you gotta consider he has to save Gordon's son, right? Yeah, That's course. the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, it's like it, he's got to make this choice, and Joker says that earlier. Is like the it, the choice is the killing. Mm-hmm. You must, you got to decide and whichever one you don't decide, that's the one that's going to die. You're responsible for that death. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's what's weighing on Batman after Rachel dies. He knows that the Joker did it, but he also kind of, he feels responsible because he wasn't able to, they just weren't able to do the job. Same with Gordon. That's why Gordon is freaking out about Dent is because he lost Rachel too. He yeah. was supposed to go get Dent. And Batman was supposed to go get Rachel. Obviously, they were switched, but they were both trying to get places. Batman did his, but Gordon couldn't, and someone died. And that's why he's freaking out at the end. He's like, I have to save Dent. Like, we can't let both these people die. I let Rachel die. I can't let Harvey Dent Dent die. die I can't let these people that were kidnapped from the hospital die. And that's his big... And Gary Oldman in this movie, too. Like, again, like... He's fucking great. He's just, like, fucking amazing. It's crazy that they got him for this role. Like, it's nuts. And you really, I feel like he doesn't really shine. As much as I, uh, and we'll get to it, I am not a huge fan of the third Batman movie in this franchise. But uh, Gary Oldman's one of the best parts of it. And he actually has, like, he has, like, kind of the most agency he has in all three movies in the next one. And it's, and he's great. He's a great part of that film. And in this movie. I mean, this is his best one. This is. He does a really good job. He's a main character. He is is one of the main three. Bringing everything. Yeah. To, to Gordon. And this movie, you know, what, what I really love about this movie is just... I went to school for screenwriting and playwriting. I understand film. We all understand film. This movie breaks and switches so many rules in, like, storytelling where it's like, is there a three-act structure? Not really. It's like, like a five. It's like a five act structure, and also it's like it's a one main character. Like, yeah, it's three acts if you want to kind if of you, bend the rules, but like this is pretty much everything it. Yeah. fits into three acts. But realistically, this movie is a five act movie, four act movie, and then also like there's only there's not one main protagonist, and it's not the superhero, and like they call it the Dark Knight because the Dark Knight is not ostensibly Batman. Mm-hmm. Or is ostensibly Batman. Like, it toys with this idea of, like, identity. Identity is a very big question mark in the film of, like, who is the hero that Gotham needs? 
And then when we get to the end of the movie, Batman answers it. But I don't know if that's the real answer to what Gotham actually needs. Batman's just like, I'm going to do the best we got. I'm going to play the villain and you're going to play the hero and we're going to make this fucking work. Mm-hmm. You know? And like that's... And like I wrote in my phone um, because I knew I was doing hosting duty so I, I tried to come up with some questions. And what I wrote was, what does Gotham need? What will fix Gotham? Have we seen an answer to this question? And I think by the end of this movie they give us the answer. But I don't think that's, like, the correct answer. I think it's the only answer we have left, you know? Where it's, like, uh, Frank, yeah, Batman, I, I don't, I don't you know? think it's... It's not, the, it's not the question that the movie's asking. No, but I so think it's, it's an like, interesting question to think about because... I mean, crime, it needs well, less crime? It's I not mean, that it needs less crime, but, like, what, what is crime... Between Batman Begins and Dark Knight, what, what has happened to crime? Crime has been afraid because of the bat. Mm-hmm. And then by the time we get to the end of Dark Knight, and again, we have this, the the, the crime of the Dark Knight Rises is this eight-year span that doesn't right. do anything. Yeah, but that's got nothing to do with this movie. There's, there's nothing to do with this movie, yeah. but it, it leaves a question of like, what's the criminal psyche? For those eight years, it's like crime is like super low. It's like, they literally refer to it as peacetime. Mm. You know, it's like after Harvey Dent, they pass the Dent Act, and it makes it so like it's maximum... Uh, like, punishment for, like, even, like, the smallest of crimes and, like, people just stop committing crimes. Yeah. And, uh, something like that. And, it, and they're just it, being trying to next, free For them. the next, like, eight years, it's literally just, like, peace. Yeah. And crime is down and Harvey Dent, you know, they lied and they're like, Batman murdered Harvey Dent and he was a savior for the city uh, and we need to honor him and that's... that's for some fun. reason, like... That's another thing in Dark Knight Rises that we'll get to is like Bane like reveals that they didn't that that like he didn't and that like and he, he went crazy and murdered like three people and then everybody's like oh yeah fuck that law that we passed that that like did made all this city good, so nice for things. eight years because yeah. it's based on a lie and it's like okay yeah interesting mm. Yeah, I think I think to answer your question, um, that question is probably like what leads to the biggest tragedy of mm-hmm. the film, which is Harvey Dent. Yes, and and him like he he absolutely could have been the hero that Gotham needed. He absolutely could have like he's the, the face the, and the, the hero. small the yeah. small amount of things that he did in that short amount of time were so monumental. Putting all those gangsters behind bars. Yeah, if he would have stayed the same way that he was, and if the Joker didn't <laughs> corrupt him. It, you know, who knows what he could have done next. He was, but, the, he was the attorney that Gotham always needed, yeah. But, you know, since the Joker corrupted him and, um, you know, everything like that uh, and leading everything leading to his death, like, that's, that's like, the big tragedy yeah. is that, you know, someone as good as him can be corrupted. I mean, it's, great, it's a great allegory to have, you know, the same thing that gets taken away from Dent is the same thing taken away from Batman. And to have the coin change shape after that and like having it be the black like the the burnt side and the side that's untouched the batman side the harvey dent side the harvey dent side that used to be you know the it's you know the the black and white knight the dark knight and the light knight of Mm -hmm. of gotham it's all the imagery's there and it's really great two sides of the same coin yes if if you were yes that's why they land that's why they both land face up on the ground exactly Yes, it's very good. Exactly. Yeah, this is a hell of a movie. 
goddamn. It's really good. It's really good. And, like, you know, a lot of its imagery and I think a lot of its, like, symbolism and subtleties are are there. I don't think it takes too much digging to really, like, dive into, like, and, really what makes the movie the, great. You I know? mean, yeah, the, its whole question that it's presenting about morals and stuff is literally talked about. I yeah, tried, I'm like, like they're saying there, like, I'm going to get you to kill people because you say you don't want to. I the questions I brought up were me trying to, like, really dig up some things. I'm like, this is maybe the way I haven't thought about the movie and before. I think, and I think, like, that's some of the biggest criticisms that the movie has gone through that's over all the year. Just, like, is that it's, like, kind of all on the surface. Yeah. And you don't have to do that, all that much digging to find, like, the real... But, you know, that's that's fine. Not every movie There's has to be... Wrong with that. That's, that's sure. what primer. makes it... Honestly, that's what makes it so good is that it's, like... It's hey, very ex- accessible. It's accessible. Everyone it's accessible can get it. Accessible to yeah. its big ideas. Yes. Accessibility is very important. I was talking to There's a, nothing wrong a musician that. friend of mine, and I was like, the problem with a lot of musicians these days, get off my lawn. Like, I think the pro- <laughs> problem with a lot of musicians is like they don't they 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 there's they have to find this meeting ground of their own artistic integrity and the integrity of pleasing the audience because you need the, if the audience doesn't like your shit. You're not going to be successful. And at least half of being an artist is you want to be successful. Otherwise, you can't continue to do the art. Hmm. And it's this whole idea of like, you know, that's why Blade Runner 2049 again is so good. Because if you want to, you can pull up a magnifying glass and there's all these great questions that they're asking and not giving you the answers because they want you to really think about it and form your own opinion, whether it's about the plot of the movie or just something as general as like, what is human life? What is the yeah. human condition? What are our values? What makes us so special? That Whereas we are when who you we get are? to a movie like Dark Knight, these existential questions aren't really there. They're not really. No, I mean there, there are. It's like kind they of are, like, but it's a, it's a more of a moral thing, and morals yeah. are very easy. Morals are you have them, and they are what they are, or you don't have them, and yeah. this affects you because of that. I mean, it's just that's you know. The Dark Knight is about these three people that have these very heavy morals. Like, Jim Gordon is a guy who is not going to accept money from crime. He's been doing it his whole time in a, in a city filled with dirty cops. He was always like, no, I'm sticking to my morals. Aaron Eckhart is a guy who's but like, he also I'm breaks, going but, to... But he breaks the law. That's what this movie's about, is them testing is, their morals. Yes. Like, that's... No, but I think that's I think that's important, though. It's like yeah. Jim Gordon being like... And Aaron when Eckhart... Harvey, when Aaron Eckhart is just like... Why do you have the fucking bat still? And he's just like, yeah, that light's been mis- misfunctioning. I don't know what you're talking about. You talk to our technical staff. Blah, yeah, blah, blah. exactly. Yeah. And, and like that, that's all really great. And like, and it's it's the idea. And like, the the reason that I think crime even slips by all of them is by have it's always Joker and Batman exist on the same plane. But having a Batman exist, and this is all superhero stories. But having a superhero entity exists, you have invited supervillain entities to share the same plane. Mm-hmm. Taste for the theatrics. So right for for Jim Gordon and for Harvey Dent, especially Jim Gordon. Jim Gordon's like almost like a villain in the film in the way where he's just like, yeah, I'm letting Batman clean up crime. And it's just like, guess what else you have let in by letting a Batman exist? Yeah, yeah. And it, well, it's like what well, it's a lesser of two evils. Yeah, yeah, argument. I get where you're getting at, yeah. Yeah, well, I think that, like, I think that there is some kind of... They are very much responsible for Joker's presence. And Existence and presence and ongoing. Or they're yeah. responsible for the fact that the crime bosses really kind of um, bring him in. 
and uh, treat too, him with like, oh, respect. this is a thing that you, we could use you. Like, because at first they don't. Yeah, and then Batman like gets loud and like they do this yeah. Rico act thing and it like gets everybody again. Like, well, now we gotta. Joker was right. We gotta kill Batman because he just screwed all this. I up. don't think it's like can even be boiled down to the simple way of just like we've been intimidated by this guy wearing underwear. Why not let this guy wearing a purple suit, clown makeup, be be the guy to fight him? Mm-hmm. Like, why not? It's fighting fire with fire. It's so, like, 1-1, one, one, It's you know? a, It's holding up a mirror to the scene where you've got the Bat Boys yes. at the beginning, uh, you know, and he's just like, that's not exactly what I meant when I said I wanted to inspire people. This is the mirror of that, where it's like, you've gone out there, like, Gordon you've, says you've it at the end. You've taken the lesson like, into your own hands. He's like, if yeah. you get, you know, if we start wearing Kevlar, they start using armor-piercing rounds. If you yeah. start jumping off of buildings and flying around just like a bat at night, scaring the shit out of people, well, we're gonna get this guy that dresses up like a clown and fucking robs people and shoots people. The idea, and like, you know, I, I've talked about it in like things I've written before, and you can find those on on the website. But like What's that website again, storiesgamepeaking.com. Nice name. But it's this idea of it's this arms race by creating superheroes, you create supervillains. One does not one does not beget the other. Like they exist on a continuum, and that is as old as comic books as time. You know, like that is how it works. Um, so I think that like. One of the greatest follies in the, and this is this is maybe jumping away from the reality within the film because I think we all understand that pretty well, but I think because Dent and uh, Commissioner Gordon allow a Batman, they allow a Joker, and they are privy to the responsibility of his crime in Gotham, mm-hmm. and I think the best question for the movie is just like what can fix Gotham? What can cure Gotham? Is it the White Knight that is Harvey Dent? Clearly not. Because the thing that might cure Gotham... But is Batman the cure? That's what I was trying to say. I answered it is the White Knight because Harvey Dent, the Dent Act after his death, cleans up Gotham for eight years. Yeah. That's why I was saying it's like in the context of the movie, the movie really isn't asking that question. What happens afterwards is more up to your own opinions as Mm. a person after you've seen this story. And how you think, I think the ferry boat scene is representative of the city is ready to believe in good, believe that's in like, good and exactly believe in itself and do all that. I think good. that's what that's uh, yeah. symbolic of. But having the Dark Knight Rises exist, it answers that question. And it's like, oh no, it needed Harvey Dent. It's just, it needed Harvey Dent to die, to be a martyr, to be able to finally push this this final move that would clear pretty much crime eliminate out. crime. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So uh, that's kind of like what I try to draw question-wise from the movie. Um, I think there's like a ton more that we could dive into or whatever. But... I mean, this is another one of those movies, too. It's like when we talk about The Dark Knight Rises, we're going to be talking about The Dark Knight again. Yeah. And especially when we see when we talk about Batman, Batman Begins, like, yeah. we talked about Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this Dark movie is going to come up forever. Yeah, it's it's because it's Batman it's forever. one of the big, Batman, forever. Batman forever. <laughs> it's one of the biggest. Um, it's one of the biggest movies of the 21st century. Like yeah. this is, and we'll continue to, it's to insane. do so. It's to be, insane. It's it's crazy, and like that's aged very well for ten years too. Uh, ten years next year. The only thing that I criticized of the movie was the fight scenes. Which, listen, I've criticized all the Batman. None of the Batman movies have had amazing fight scenes, and we also 
The less you see of Batman actually doing punches and kicks, the better. Yeah, you, but you at see the same time, it's, it's framed kind of weird. Like it's it's because very those movies, the these movies exist in a weird like born identity timeline. Yeah, where they think the fast cuts and the fast and, punch is the way to and do it. It's not like Christopher Nolan is a bad action director by any means. No, but he does. He he's really good at big action, like uh, yeah, ships crashing or like. Things sinking. That's, He's not really good at the hand to hand combat. That scene in in the tunnel, the the car chase in in the tunnel it's is amazing. Is it's incredible. Incredible. But when it comes to hand to hand fighting, He's not he so just, good at people not, punching and kicking. Each other. And you know, you'll that, see that in the next movie too. Like that might have also have something to do with like how that suit is is designed. And I'm sure Christian Bale had trouble moving in and out of that suit. And I think it's also. It look, I think it's movies of the time too. I really but, think it yeah. exists in, no, I, in like. I think. Batman in general, like throughout all the Batman movies, we haven't seen a seen great so Batman fighting scene because Not Batman Batman yet. is better as an idea, right? Yeah, like a sphere. If you want to frame it in the way, maybe the best con- way to contextualize it is maybe like the Arkham games, right? I agree. Those games do a good job at having like Batman hand to hand. He combat. does fisty cuffs really great, and it it shows the best version of him throwing people down, but. The way that I think the only way to really show that well is to imply the in-between sort of moments. Yeah. Whereas the only moments that you as an audience get to see is the moments where you are seeing the kind of Batman swooping down on someone and making them disappear. Yeah. Which, which they do bit. really, really, really well in... Mm-hmm. Begins. Begins. When he makes in that, that... Before he makes that first big... Right. In the, in the, in the, the yes. shipping The shipping container mm-hmm. scene where he is... Cloaked in shadow, you only see him for a few seconds at a time. You, and I think, like to speak to the uh, born identity idea, like yeah. those quick cuts would be so much better for Batman. If it was just him sneaking people, you out, see him, kinda. or even him like coming up to a group of people and engaging them, and then cutting away, and them just being gone. Yeah, because like oh, when sure. you actually see Batman physically moving around, and I think. The Dark Knight is especially it's the worst. Of of, it's the worst offender for sure. Because and like you we'll see, talk about it. you see Batman multiple times during this movie. Like in the the first scene that they introduce him in, mm-hmm. where he is in the parking garage. Yeah, and you see the the car roll up. That seems pretty him, good because he kind of sneaks up on people. He doesn't right, do a but lot then, of fighting. Then you see him like grab onto the side of the van. Yeah, and hit up against the the like. The concrete pillar after he's on the side of the van, mm-hmm. and then get back up and kind of be like, "Oh fuck!" And this like, what kind of like lumber over to we, the we side? We also noticed too this time we're like, "Why does it look like his face is trying to get out of that mask in this one?" Yeah, just, he's like, he's, he's like, like out he's growing, like growing he, out, he's, he's outgrowing the, the suit. I need a like, new shooter. I mean, that's, I mean, that's literally the best way that we can interpret it. But he it's is so his, weird. His face. Is just trying to escape for freedom suit. when he's talking to Gordon in the bank vault scene in the original suit. His face is just it. It's it's uh, it's too much face, not enough mask. It's, like, almost, it's, just, it's, it's almost like they they were like, let's shrink down the Batman Begins suit. <laughs> they played a prank you, on Christian. <laughs> let's shrink down the Batman Begins suit. We're gonna shrink it. We're gonna make it small, and we're, we're also on a, on guess, a hot watch. Guess what big, we're gonna do? Big onset prankster that Chris knows. I know this scene takes place uh-huh. at night. Let's put a lot of lighting on this suit. Let's put a lot of lighting on no, this but the, weird that, fucking suit. That speaks. Look, that it speaks, does look odd. It looks the, weird. That speaks, that's the point, yeah. speaks exactly to my point. Is like yeah. the more light you put on, ba- like. 
Batman exists as a symbol of fear, right? Yeah. Batman works as playing on the fear of his prey. And the more you see of Batman, the, the more light you I cast think, on I him. I think some of the biggest crimes of this movie is that they put the Batman in the bat suit in, like, plain daylight almost all the time in the movie. It's the same reason. And it looks like shit. It just looks like shit. It's the you same know? reason like, you don't see him show up in that initial high scene. Like, it's during the day. Batman's not yeah. going to show up. Because if you saw a dude dressed as a bat in broad fucking daylight... It wouldn't be scary. It'd be ridiculous. When you see Batman in the dinner scene with Joker, it's kind of like, dude, you look fucking crazy. You, you, look, you look crazy. There hasn't really been like even with Ben Affleck with all the technology they have. There hasn't yeah. been a hundred percent convincing Batman suit you know, in live action. I think the you know but, we'll, but we will get to the Ben Affleck I think suit. The Ben Affleck suit does a great job, and the Ben Affleck action, I think, is the bet is the I, best I, bat I action like we'll see. Ben Affleck as Batman. I agree. The, I, I, like him. I like I like it there. too. I dig what he does. It's just in the context of. I how think he's most of used. us at the table agree with you. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying Batman. I'm saying just the suit itself. Well, the also too, I'm, I'm completely off the line with you guys on this one. I think that the Dark Knight is the best version of the Batman suit. It looks the most realistic. It it's does. literally just get, like a when, biker suit. I think when you like, get to the head turning model of it, it looks pretty good. That's what I mean. Oh, yeah. The one in Hong Kong the, the one is in the beginning good. of this movie, that's the Batman Begins suit. Yes. That's the Batman Begins suit. When I say the Dark Knight suit... The I'm Dark Knight suit is the, a different... talking yes. about the, you know, it, it, it'll handle really well against The one cats. that was... Um, <laughs> the one that was introduced in the, uh, yes. in the Hong Kong scene. Yes, that that's the that first one looks great, especially the shot of him on top of the building, like messing with that. Like, and that mind and that's drawing. kind of I think that the sum of all of what we're talking about with like the Batman action scenes, the Hong Kong scene is like half of a fucking chef's kiss of a Batman scene because it's him starting off from a building, being like, "I'm gonna do my my Olympic descent." into doing this crime box. It's a very, very cool scene. And it's fucking awesome. He does the bat dot. He puts on his mask. He gets his gun ready. He does his fucking... Well, he's putting on he's putting on the whole suit for the first time. You're making it so sensual. He's like, first we're going to light a little candle. (laughs) What's that? Oh, that's right. You do smell incense. But it's a very angular, it's a very pretty suit. It's very different from what we've seen before. And it is very spelunky. Um, but he's wearing the suit and he, well, he, he does tell, dive. He did tell Lucius he's intends he's, to spelunk. And like Lucius believes him 100%. He mm-hmm. doesn't know what he does. Um, so he be does good his... for spelunking? Should be good with hikes. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> so he does his dive. for dogs, you idiot. What do I care about cats? <laughs> Why did you say that? Are Why you, did you just say that? Are to you me? trying to make a goof? That's not funny. Is to it me a goof? Because I don't know what a cat woman is. <laughs> Why did you just say that to me? Cats? What does that mean? Is she related to you? Is this like a thing? Lucius is, really doesn't like cats. He probably has an allergy, so that has like a sort of like a, a bias. <laughs> Lucius, has been trying, Lucius has been trying to get Batman to come over and kill this like feral cat that's been like <laughs> meow, meow, meow outside his Gotham apartment, and he like won't do it. And so that's him like should you go against cats? I'm not killing a cat that's meowing outside your apartment. It just wants food. There's a Lucius, lot of cats Mr. in here, Mister Wayne. I'm gonna be honest with you. When you first came to me and you wanted the suit... When you first came to me... I thought you were going to... Morgan Freeman voice. I thought you were going to... I'm not going to do that. Whoa! (laughs) I'm not going to do it. No. I thought you were going to kill these cats. I gave you a tank. Because you made it it seem like 
You hated cats. I gave and you armor. I, I gave, gave you a, a tank. I, just, I gave you wrist things that shoot blades out. Chekhov's wrist thing that shoots blades Chekhov's out. Chekhov's wrist thing back. It's going to come back. You I, see it. And I, then it's like, okay. Well, he I gave shoots you Ghoul grappling yeah. hooks. I gave you fucking ninja stars. I gave you everything. And still, these cats... Haunt me. Wouldn't it be great if, like, in the, <laughs> if there was even more to this movie that after the whole Harvey Dent thing happened, Batman gets on his bike and he's about to drive away, and then all of a sudden Lucius Fox showed up and he's built a cat suit, and now he's <laughs> Batman, and that was all just like a Chekhov's line of dialogue that was like going to come back at the end as a yeah. twist, and he's like, "You knew this was coming, Bruce." <laughs> Are we gonna have Morgan Freeman not like? Have his face fully fit in the mask too? Like we have. It depends on it depends on Chekhov's suit. He's wearing the old Batman suit that Batman's not wearing anymore, and it's like he's just kind of. You can tell he's like cut the ears off and he's stapled like these kind of cat ears to the top, and he's just like he just shows up and he's like not so fast, Bruce. It's it's Chekhov's cat. You know, they, yeah. they introduced the cat. It's so strong, obviously it's, it's Strongberg, it to, Strongberg's, Str- it's Strongberg's, Strongberg's, yes. Strongberg's, Strongberg's Chekhov's cat. I was going somewhere with that bit, but you just fucking derailed it so bad. Leave this podcast I, and I, kill I, myself. I loved how Robbie just like completely ruined so what you were bad. doing. Oh, Who the you fuck like is Strongberg? Oh, you man. know. It's, it's almost so as if he didn't understand how a podcast works, and if more than one person speaks. You can't understand either of them. Here and I he go. Was... Here I go. Good goof. <laughs> oh, it's me, Robbie. I'm driving the 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 Schrodinger. I mean, he's, he's, he's in control. <laughs> if he wants you to it's stop, like, he can stop. It's here. like Jack's joke was the was the Ferrari in right, that one scene, exactly. and then Robbie's joke was the van that smashes into no Jack, it's a Lamborghini. No, no, no it's I'm true. I'm the truck about to kill that fucking guy, <laughs> and Robbie's the Ferrari just intercepting. It was the Lamborghini. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The Lamborghini. Then. Please the tell. Car. Please tell your awesome joke. Now I forget it. Now I erased no, it from lost my mind. The flare. I erased it from my mind and also my mother's birthday. So that's what you, that just cost me. You got both? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, Jesus both. In Christ. Christ. You don't have to do both. And it's gone. Oh, it's well. too late. So, uh, does anyone have, from what we covered and like, I kind of brought like my main questions to the table and like, obviously, I think the main takeaway from, sorry, the main takeaway from this episode is like a, like a pig. I know, I'm gross. Like a pig I'm, rolling in his I'm own sorry, shit. I'm the worst. <laughs> The main takeaway from, I think, the Darnet episode is that this is a really important movie to... You see that? That's a drunk-ass fruit fly. I know what it is. Thank you. It's, uh, I think that this movie is really important to this franchise. This movie is really important to film. And uh, we've been doing these... We've been doing the Batman... uh, These Batman Nolan movies in congruency... With the Overdrinker episodes, with the other Nolan movies, the Prestige, Inception, and also Interstellar. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to dive into those. But um, that fruit fly is just dead, I think. If you guys have any more kind of like conversation, like points to bring up, or things you want to talk about the movie that I haven't brought up, or or things you notice that you want to talk about, like please bring it up now and I, like, let's, say, let's get into it. I'd you know? say like the dark Knight is definitely a, a movie that's a reflection of its time as well. Like, yeah. like, or like Iraq war, like, um, Patriot act. Pa- you Patriot said Patriot act. I said Patriot act a while and, ago. And, and, and like, this is definitely, those, this is definitely a commentary on that. Idea and there's sure. those, there's those series that the Joker, 
was an ex-marine that went crazy mm. and and like the whole one of like his goals is to reflect on the like the pure like chaos of of the whole situation yeah. and i think there's there's a bunch of different conversations in there okay um there's a bunch of different conversations in there i think one that i think is pretty interesting is the sort of unreliable narrator of the joker mm-hmm. in like yeah. his backstory in that he tells multiple different backstories but the the backstory that's told through his actions is that he knows how to operate a rocket launcher he knows how to operate a all bazooka this... sorry it's a bazooka yeah a bazooka okay. and a he bazooka knows joke. he knows he knows how to charge all these explosives and he knows how to he knows how to properly level a building and that whole like reference he made to like a whole bunch of soldiers they teach you how to do that in the marines i was going to say he has a youtube account is what you're getting at yeah sure well not marines but he's he's ex military yeah, in I, some way it's a fun theory no. You don't think so? No. So what do you think he... he As the ex-military person. I know you're not supposed thing. to... So anything else is just a theory and it's not true. Because like literally the people that created him and acted him were like, we don't have it. He's supposed to be a character with an unstable identity. In but that, there are, there are still breadcrumbs. I think... Oh, yeah, and they're interesting and they're fun. To but about. they like, lead you... The but day, I think they lead you nowhere. Yeah, at that's the end the, of the day, it's just the like, point. well, yeah. you don't find out. We're never going to find out. So that's the we point. won't. Theorizing is just for fun. Yes, that's the thing is, any specific thread that you follow with that idea is only contributing to the bigger idea that this is a character with an unreliable backstory, and that is inherently in itself... A mode of the chaos that he represents. And that's, you know, that's why, like, the whole zeitgeist has been so attracted to this character and has been attracted to this performance and is still talked about, you know, still 10 years later and will continue to be talked about, uh, like, for, for decades to come. Everybody loves a good bad guy. Everyone loves a good best. fucking bad guy. Like, this you is love like... to watch him do his thing regardless of how monstrous and evil they are it's just like you you can't take your eyes off the screen you get you you get delight in watching well there's also there's no real catharsis to what he does so i want to hit you guys by by not hearing a third movie Mm -hmm. i want to hit you guys with this because obviously the dark knight came out posthumously and heath ledger was nominated and then awarded the Academy Award for his performance in The Dark Knight. Yes. And I'm not speaking to the actual inherent value of Heath Ledger's performance, because I think we can all agree that Heath Ledger's performance in this is, in and of itself, groundbreaking. Right? Yes. Yeah, for sure. But the conversation I want to have is, would Heath Ledger's performance <clears throat> have been... Ha- would it have been as impactful in the eyes of the academy as it stood in 2008 when this movie came out had he not died before this movie came i out. i think i think so yeah because jeremy i because look at i'm because we started I'm this about... with we started this with how <laughs> fundamental this movie is to you as a 13 year old when it came no, no, out no, no, seriously like like um i remember the um the competition yeah i'm gonna say what what is it going against i just looked it up because i i actually do remember this being a thing where it it was almost like yeah he's gonna win because the competition while all amazingly talented these are like some 
awesome fucking people up here. The roles that they do are, you know, a little lackluster or just like kind of not Oscar material. Is this best actor or best supporting actor? This is best supporting actor. Heath Ledger won Oscar for best supporting actor. Heath Ledger went up against Josh Brolin in Milk, which is a great performance, very small. Yeah, uh, Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder, which That's was also another big points. favorite that everybody was talking about. Weird one, though. Philip Seymour Hoffman in Doubt, which is also a very like subverted role, really weird. And then Michael Shannon in Revolutionary Road, which is also a very weird choice. So these are all kind of odd choices, with the exception of Josh Brolin in Milk, which <clears throat> is odd in itself too. So it's like he was going up against these guys, and it's like yeah, he was gonna, eh, he's gonna, he's the, win. I think like, he's the best one. I don't, do, think do, it's I think, the, I don't think it's a little, even a question. Do I think a little bit of it was out of respect because it was posthumous? Absolutely. Yeah, I think a little bit of it. But, was like, there. who's kind of out of those performances, like, realistically, guys? Like, You're probably out of that lineup now. Out of that lineup. Now that you asked that exact point yeah, I was, I was like, trying to make. Yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman, he'll get his. He did get his, even before. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's what I mean. They were like, he's already won one. I'm sure he'll win some more. That's their mindset right there. Robert Downey Jr. had literally just launched back into, you know, he had Zodiac a couple years before. Yeah, just I mean, are you going to, I mean, like, are you going to give a character who does blackface a supporting Oscar role well, against there's, someone? There's a lot like, more of a, amazing. there's a lot more he's of a, a layer. He's there's a lot more than just doing blackface. Listen, in that he role. is really great in that movie, but. Probably not. On the I'm same just shrugging my shoulders. Not on, not nearly on the same caliber. I'm just shrugging. Like, yeah, I mean that's just what I'm like saying. Like the, the, I mean, the Joker. We is... talked about the Joker too. He's magnetic. It's yeah. it's it's one of the greatest performances of all time. Especially if you want to be like, is it the greatest supporting performance of all time? No. Guess what? I think it might be. I think it's really good. I think it's really good. One of I the best. It. Okay, sure, maybe not one of the best, but. And oh, one and, of the best. And, one of the best. Not, the, the, previous, not the best. And yes, the previous yes. year, they sure. gave they gave the. Uh, best supporting actor to Javier Bardem for No Country for Old Men, which is kind of a similar performance. Oh, it's very mm-hmm. similar. It is very similar. So yeah, yeah like that one-two punch of getting Anton Chigurh and the Joker in the same <clears throat> two-year period, like I mean, that would that would make sense. Has there as been? Far as, go, you go ahead. As far as the, and this is why I wanted to bring this up because I really, I we're on the same page here. Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker is superb. Yeah, it is infallible. It's there's it, there's not a question about it. But when you put it in the context of the academy, that kind of becomes a different like category. I feel like yeah, and put up against twenty that year's competition, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think I it's think as it's the, the, the academy. Think it but Anton Chigurh, I see very much more as like that is something that I'm sure the academy had no problem giving this award sure to. but the weird thing with the academy and this has been a thing with the academy since the academy awards even existed is that it's always been so schizophrenic with what awards it gives out and what what it values there's to not really a, to a, there's to not a really degree, like a pattern there's not really a pattern like yeah, there's a little bit of one there but they fucking love period pieces they do of course mm-hmm. but and they love movies about movies Mm-hmm. They they well, do. Hail Caesar's gonna get some. Sh- or Hail Caesar got. Well, some well, they hate right? the Coen Brothers. Yeah, they oh, don't. Oh, like I Coen see. Brothers. Until they don't, because No Country for Old Men won Best Picture. Yeah. Well, because they were pushed into that, they were like, "Where we can't, we're, we can't do like 2008. Uh, this year, right here. Do you know what won like uh, Best Picture? 
This was the year of Slumdog Millionaire. Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah, oh, yeah I remember shit. it. Which is a great movie. It's, it's a good It's movie. a great movie. Uh, it's good. Up against the things that it went up against, I don't think it should have won. What did it go up against? Bruce? Well, it, like again, like it, it went up against stuff like uh, I had it right here. I'm not. Yeah, pu- I'm not pulling this from memory. No, uh, it, it went up fine. against. Um, oh, who can forget the amazing story of the reader, I don't know. starring what? Ray Fiennes, or the captivating story of. The curious case of Benjamin Button, which is a which is a which is actually a very good movie. It's It's a very good movie. It's not Fincher's best by any means. It's a a really weird flavor of Fincher that I I kind of appreciate that he made. I like it as a spiritual sequel. That that movie is a fucking Academy movie. Oh, that is definitely. I like that movie as a Forrest Gump sequel. You know, Frost Nixon, which is great, which is a great movie, and then Milk. Which is a great movie. Yeah, and then like all three of those really and Academy ass Academy movies. But then, surprised like, Milk did not be, take it home though. because because of the backlash that The Dark Knight like did not like it didn't get other rewards. That's when that's when the they Academy started looking at like genre pieces and start to give those oh, more. Well, awards. it's also they that's when they brought up the category to ten instead of five. Yeah, and picture. then uh, and then gave those like extra spaces to like more genre films. Like yeah, District exactly. Nine was nominated for Best Picture when the you, year after. Now when you look at the top when you look at the ten uh uh movies that are nominated for an Academy Award, you can see the five that were actually nominated. You are right, right up yeah. there they are and these are the ones that they were I think like, when we did our, nice our when we we'll did our Oscar podcast this past year, I think that's it's a, there's a clear mm-hmm. five and then there's the other. Yeah. yeah. And then there there are those years where the genre film like cleans up, except for Best Picture, like mm-hmm. Gravity and Mad Max, mm-hmm. Avatar. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, but to, to answer the initial Twelve question, Years a Slave, that was a crazy one. I couldn't believe when that happened. I think the answer to the initial question, I, I do think that It'll be an interesting year this year. It's well, going to be a very interesting year. Well, we're we're more on the the trigger of it than we've ever been. I think. I think we. I mean, I can't speak for Burge, but I think that I know Jack and I have seen a lot of movies that we may not have seen if we were not doing story screen. I'm stuff. not convinced you've seen any movies before 2017. Based on your <laughs> well, guess what, bitch? I've seen all of 2017 movies, I and I can seen know the Dark what Knight, I want. But prior to 2017, besides The Dark Knight, I'm yeah, not it's so like sure. you were like turned on, like. A year ago, like you were like unboxed by your parents, and you just oh, like, is there an oh, this is the video? new. This is the new. Robbie was just allowed to see R-rated movies at the beginning of this year. You guys should read my article on Ex Machina. That movie existed before I knew what movies were. Uh, yeah. Does anyone else have anything to add about? I think we. Night? I think we're scratching at uh, some weird stuff now. Yeah. Uh, we literally just <laughs> talked about the Academy Awards for like five minutes. Yes. Which, I, I mean, it's, it's I a, it's I think it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. I mean, that's the thing. Listen, yeah. this is a comic book movie that won an Academy Award for its supporting actor. Just like Suicide Squad. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> it won an Academy Award, but not for supporting There should actor. be an asterisk next to that Academy Award. Like, for this is like a like legitimate asterisk. For one character, that, that yes. thing. For fucking sw- Killer Croc. I swear to God. It. The Academy, there had to be some little fucking, you know, uh, Crown Prince of Climb, Jack Kalajewski, <laughs> in the Academy, just like, now guys, 
Stick with me on this. I'm an agent of chaos. Wouldn't it be funny <laughs> if we gave it to Suicide Squad? And and they were like, oh, that's really funny. That is funny. And then there was a little fucking, like, dumbass weasel who didn't understand jokes in the back and was like, wouldn't it be funny if we, like, said La La Land one, but then we'll give it to the black one? Oh, God. <laughs> He's a weasel. He's an asshole. He's. You're, I'm not thinking that. That's know, this, you're speaking this of imaginary you're speaking the bad character. You just reminded me about how much of a fucking mess that. That was. That, su- that's that why Oscar I was saying because we streamed it, and I remember like it was so. I remember tight I was because there. remember on the on our academy thing, yes. I was just talking La La Land the whole time, and then at the end of the day, I was like, I want Moonlight to win. I think La La Land's going to win, but I would love did to you see come, Moonlight. Did you come win. to that episode? wanting Moonlight to win or did we sway you? I wanted it. Like, going in there I was kind of like, I don't know what I'm going to say but when the moment comes I'll know but I think deep down I knew I wanted Moonlight because I just recently rewatched it. But then when we got to like, it you were like, it's gotta movie. be. Yeah. And you know, and it's like the, the Academy was going, it's so hard to like, they couldn't have planned something like that because it's it's so mean-spirited and so hard to control. But again, the fact that like Oscar's So White was the year before and it was literally like, it was like white people versus black people with that movie. It was like, La La Land is a white movie. Yeah. It's literally right. about white people talking about jazz. Yeah, it's white people talking about yeah, jazz. And then Moonlight yes. is literally Fuck. just about like the black condition and the, the homosexual condition and all of this stuff, the poor condition and this is like a very important movie. And the it's idea very of being an outlier and, and like an outlier. Yeah, like they're both beautifully yeah, sure. made movies just for completely different reasons. Yeah, and coming, yes. like, one is a major studio back thing, and one was made for very little, and it's still just as, if not more, um, impactful and powerful. And that's, that's like the the fundamental issue that I have with the Academy is that it's putting these great movies, like this movie's great and this movie's great and they're putting them against each other. So we're like, we're, we have to pick apart God, these, these incredible movies. That's the time. That's the issue. Anytime you make a best. Yeah, I know. Anything. I know. That's, Something has to be less than. Like it's not and fair to compare And that's these when things. people like you know attack the Dark Knight, and you know it's been on IMDb's top ten list for as long. Is it like as, number three? Or something, something like, like that? I and think. I think four. like the Shawshank Redemption and Godfather Part Two are like the only movies above it. Listen, it's it's really is one it of the. the it's really well, one Shawshank of the, Redemption is the number one on IMDb, which I think is. is so funny because it's like the ultimate dad movie. Like, yeah, that's it's a very dad. Movie. I mean, pretty much any time you turn on, on TV. your TV, yeah, it's always it will on be TV. on. Yeah, yeah. listen, like, are I mean, we in a little bit of that Morgan Freeman? No, I don't got it. <laughs> I've never had the Morgan I can Freeman. Certainly put it together. Oh, right. look, oh. Michael Caine's back. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I think I think that. I think that Dark Knight deserves its place in all of the top whatever lists that it's on because it is it's a movie that defies all odds. It's a movie that like, you know, it it exists outside of paradigms, it exists outside of structures. It's a movie that is Am I a superhero movie? I'm more than a superhero movie. Am I just an action flick? I'm more than an action flick. Am I a Nolan movie? I'm like so hard in Nolan movie it hurts. But like that's okay. Like it does all of these things really well and you know, it, it's really lightning in a bottle. And I think it's like what Birch said, it's like a total accident. And I think that's why it's one of those movies that'll exist that way. Because when we get to Dark Knight Rises, Dark Knight Rises is trying to catch 
the same magic in a bottle and it just misses. Mm-hmm. Well, Every, and that's like, it, gets, it just it's misses, an accident you know? too. I want to like clarify with it. Please. It's like, it's yeah. a bunch of talented people really trying hard to get something right. Mm-hmm. And when I say it's an accident, they weren't able to do it again. Yes. And they haven't since. So that's what leads me. And if they could just do it and they were capable of doing it, why wouldn't they do it again? But and it leads you to believe because, yeah. you know, like if Heath Ledger's death is nothing else, it is an accident. Yes. It wasn't supposed to happen. And we agreed before, like, the mysticism that was created around his performance leading up to the film's release was a very big part of, like, this detached idea of that performance. Like, because Heath Ledger is not... There's no interviews out there of him, like, discussing what he was doing for the role. Yeah. You know, nobody... And Christopher Nolan and everybody that worked with him has been, like, super... Respective and just yeah. like, have you heard the story about Michael Caine the first time he saw Heath Ledger no. as the Joker? He had never met Heath Ledger before, and it's the um, dinner, it's the party the crashing scene. scene. Okay. And Michael Caine, thespian, is just standing there and he's in character, he's Alfred, and Joker comes in and Michael Caine said that he was, and he said this before he had, before Heath Ledger had passed. So yeah. he wasn't building it up. He was like, he came in and it was so raw. And it was absolutely insane. I was expecting something like Jack Nicholson's kind of like gang clown kind yeah. of guy goon. And he came in with this thing and it actually scared Michael Caine so much that he forgot his lines. Like as he was saying lines throughout the rest of the shoot, he was like, like he was just like forgetting things. <laughs> I mean, that seems to Michael be Caine. The, that seems to be the unanimous I mean, kind of conclusion of like that character on people was like because like even uh, you was said the Maggie Gyllenhaal about Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah, what's yeah, that, that story? Scene. What? But like you mentioned, Maggie Gyllenhaal was terrified, terrified of him in that scene yeah. where he's uh, monologuing to her because it's like you know he's pretty much saying the same thing over and over again. They're shooting it a lot, but because it's spinning and they're like because there's a lot of like technicalities that can go wrong with lighting and background characters and stuff like that when you're dealing with that kind of thing they they had to shoot it a lot and she was just uh you know she was just getting very uncomfortable because like heath ledger was getting lost in this role people knew behind the scenes that like he was kind of like he was drifting in and out and uh he was going through his own stuff and yeah it's like there's like this kind of horrifying menace that he has just in his presence so being that close to him and not knowing what he's going to do because that's half of what made his character as he was performing it, you didn't know what he was going to do next. And that's why she looks so scared it's because she's actually like, she's like, like I don't like, really she, know. I don't think she ever thought that Heath Ledger was going to hurt her. No. I don't think that was a thing, but I think it was like more just like, I don't know where this is going to go or how to, or how to escalate this. So I'm kind of like trying to pull away, but you can see there's some moments in there where she is, Genuinely, I mean, I think terrified. I mean, what's what's the commonality between Michael Caine and Maggie Gyllenhaal's like performances and what they're saying? They're paralyzed. Yeah, it's this idea of just like Ledger's performances creating paralysis, mm-hmm. like creating fear, and like that's palpable. That's strong. We should, we should just like, we should probably just name this episode like. Heath Ledger in the Dark Knight. That's, <laughs> well, that's but that's that, that is, the movie. Yeah, I know we talked about other stuff too. Like no, yeah, but that's and, that's the crux of the yeah, overall the Academy point of the movie. It's like Heath Ledger. Mm-hmm. When you guys are just like, who's the main character of the movie? Is it these three heroes? I'm like, guess what? It's the Joker. No, like it's just the that's bad guy. yeah, but that's that's like the commonality between all Batman movies. But like, it's a Joker. It's movie. a good. It's a, a good really, bad guy. Yeah. You know? 
But it's also a performance that is on its own incredible. Yes. But then immortalized by it being Heath Ledger. Who was like supposed final. to play too before yeah. he got? Do you guys know that? Or not There's exactly? A... I thought he was supposed to be in uh, the. Uh, the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. No, I was saying... Uh, you already had no, no, no. I was saying um, who was going to be uh, the Joker, who was also up for the role of the Joker before uh, Heath Ledger got it. No. And it was like Paul Bettany, I know, was up there. What is he, he from? He plays Vision. He's that guy. Uh, oh, oh, he was um, also with Heath Ledger in A Knight's Tale. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, they knew each other. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. great movie. Love Knight's Tale. Mm-hmm. Boom, boom. Um, and I think, uh, Crispin Glover, but that's, I don't think that that's real. That would have been, that, that would have been, been really weird. I would rather see Crispin Glover as the Riddler. As the Riddler, Well, yeah. and that's the whole thing. When Heath Ledger got hired, it was like this big deal where it's like, his face is too round. The Joker's supposed to be like skinny and He's stuff. angular. And then when they released that first image of just like the face, <laughs> people were like, oh, That was the thing. I, I think Never that the, the, story, the story goes where everyone found out that Heath Ledger got cast as the Joker and everyone was just like, what the fuck? And then you see the first picture and everyone kind of shut their mouth. Yeah, you had to email, you, you had yeah. to email like a website with like this kind of weird email address on it. And they were like, if we can get like 200,000 emails... In like, we'll in like three hours, we'll picture. release a picture. And then they did a version of that and with the, Bane, it's too, the, for it's, And the first picture for Joker, if I am not mistaken, or maybe it's just the first one I saw, is it's the image where he turns the camera to his face when he does the... Um, Kind of the execution like of the fake Batman. Very close. He's like, he's doing just a little like, he's just like, if you don't do this by time, blah blah blah. Yeah, he's just I'm very more close. People are. It's a portfolio. Die. It's a yeah. yeah, and that's like pretty much the first image. And like I remember seeing that, being like, yeah, that's pretty That'll good. Do it. Which is interesting when they announced uh, Jared Leto as Joker, and people are like, "Well, I mean, remember how everybody felt when Heath Ledger was Joker?" Yeah, everyone tried to but then they, that. but then they actually showed Jared Leto, and everybody was like, "No, fuck this! I <laughs> this sucks." I hate Jared Leto in that movie. I would have been down if they were just like Jared Leto is a brainwashed version of Robin who thinks he's the Joker. Oh, I mean, they're kind of getting to that. Are they? I mean, dude, they don't. That know sounds what, like too look, good look, of an idea. This is this is uh, this is you know thinking that uh, like uh, under the assumption that they know what they're doing. Yeah, nah. they don't. They don't. No. They have no idea. Have you seen? Suicide Squad. I haven't seen Suicide Squad. They have I saw no idea I saw BBS what and they're I, doing. At the same I time, I did see Wonder Woman. Oh, nice. Which, which you know, is a good... Like, I think yeah, Wonder Woman, Woman... Again, I think Wonder Woman is a complete accident. Is an accident. Okay, probably. It's, I'm not I'm not defending well, DC. It's an accident on the part of the studio, not necessarily on Patti Smith's part. I think Patti Smith might Jenkins. actually know what... Uh, Patty, sorry, Jenkins. Jenkins. Sorry, my bad. Patti Smith is a great musician, though. Love to have her. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. She'll get there one day. Patty Jenkins might know what she's actually doing, which thank God they let her do the second Wonder Woman movie. They mm-hmm. signed her on for that because she's the only person involved with any of that DC shit. That yeah, she's what makes that the exciting. faintest yeah. inkling of like what she's actually doing. Can you imagine if they fired her and they had Zack Snyder come in? Like, oh god, you guys want to see like, Sucker, Sucker Punch Part Two? Jesus We're gonna let a, like a, a far more inferior white man take this woman's job. Yeah. Right. Ooh, that's very real. Um, it was all this time. And Justice League. Beauty like and mess. sex. Snyder. Well, that's what this is all building up to. Yeah. This is all building up to so... going to a actual movie theater and watching Warner Brothers <sighs> presents unite 
Unite the, the Seven. Or whatever. Justice League, fuck my life. Justice Seven? Which only one more movie until you guys are going to force me to watch Batman vs. Superman and take my purity away from so, me. So, have you not seen that? No, oh, he has not. And this is I, bought, I bought a, bre- a fresh brand new copy just for us, and then we're all going to sign it, and we're going to burn it afterwards. <laughs> I'm down. Cool, man. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Battering. As has been discussed, the next episode we're doing is uh, Dark Knight Rises, which is the conclusion to the the Nolan trilogy of Batman movies. Mm-hmm. Did we talk right. about Christian Bale like at all? He's the least interesting part of this movie. He's good. And we talked about Batman. I mean, we talked about him in Batman Begins a lot. Where he's the most interesting part of that movie. He's actually got a story. Mm -hmm. You know, in this, it's very much just like, it's the moral inclusion because there are like, you know, there are three main characters in this movie that it's called... You know, it is. It's not called Batman, but it's, it's called a, Dark Knight. Well, Batman. I mean, that's it's a Batman movie. Well, I mean, I think that's what it's called. Dark Knight. It's not called Batman. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying that this warrants like a in depth discussion on that, but I think there the more interesting discussion is that we are not talking about Christian Bale at all. We will definitely be talking more about Christian Bale in the next movie. Um, we talked but it's about like his face trying to get out of his. It was trying moment. to escape. It was trying to escape out of the mask. Um, again, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, this is a story screen podcast. If you go on storyscreenbeacon.com, you can find a ton, like literally so many articles, think pieces, and reviews on movies and TV shows that exist, that are out. And if you guys are any kind of cinephile or whatever, and, and like reading things about things, go on storyscreenbeacon.com and check our shit out. Also, if you like this podcast, engage with us. Uh, write to us in iTunes, SoundCloud, any place where you found this and there's a comment section, you can get in there. You can talk to us. And then, um, just please, you know, if you want to talk to us, talk to us. If you want to share our stuff to other people, we really appreciate it. But definitely if you're a listener that we have, we want to talk to you. We want to engage with you and we want to make the show better. Or if you want it to be worse, we'll make it worse for you. I don't know. Yeah, we can make this We worse. can make it totally worse. It doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, the next episode we're going to do for Battering is going to be uh, Dark Knight Rises, which is my least favorite Batman movie. At least Batman and Robin I can get down with. It's going to be pit. some catharsis, I think, for you to see Dark Knight Rises and then talk I about think it. there's going to be some things. I'm going to like, I, there's going to be things I like about it. I watched sure. like the first 45 minutes of it. And you, you were know, not a hating it. Ago, and I wasn't hating it. I was actually yeah. like, hold on a second here. What the fuck is this? But like, I think uh, most of that movie's problems are at in the, the way yeah. yeah, I yeah, do. Th- I I do stone. think that as much as we talked about seeing dark, seeing Dark Knight, and me being like, this movie kind of changed my life, and this movie not changed my life, but changed my perception on movies. I think it made Mine me well. into a, pret- a pretentious person, and I think when I saw Dark Knight Rises, I might have been at the peak. Of that pretentious movie person. <laughs> Crashing this plane. You must suffer before you become... Also, maybe I don't like all this bullshit. Must be more severe. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Check Burma. out anything... Burma. Burma. Check out Burma. anything in Burma. Check out anything that Story Scene has to offer. We're on your iPhone. We're on your Android podcast a app. Ruby. We're in SoundCloud. We're everywhere. <laughs> so if you want to listen to more of our shit, just check it out. And uh, please share this with anyone who is kind of into Batman, because maybe they'd be interested in this discussion. Some people just want to watch the world Burma. We must torture you before you end this podcast. That's Jack, Mike Burge, Jeremy Kolodzewski. 
They're on all the podcasts, or if most you, of them. They also do a ton of articles. You can fix your broken back. I'm Robert Anderson. Thank you again so much for listening. Peace. another fucking movie synopsis and do a Batman. Surprise me. Everyone do it right fucking now. Pick some right now. Just pick something. Pakistan-born comedian Kumal Nanjiani and grad student Emily Gardner fall in love with their struggle as their cultures clash. When Emily contracts a mysterious illness, Kumal finds himself forced to face her feisty parents and family's expectations and also his true feelings. A long last, Medea returns to the big screen. <laughs> In Tyler Perry's Medea goes to jail. This time, America's favorite irreverent pistol-pecking grandma is raising hell. Behind the bars and the lobby. With the help of allies, Lieutenant Jim Gordon and T.A. Harvey Dent, Batman has been able to keep the title. <laughs> 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 but when a violent young criminal calling himself the Joker. <laughs> Saturday throws the town into chaos. The Cape Crusader begins to try to find light. It's in heroism and vigilantism. <laughs> <laughs>